Big Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everybody? And welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. And I got to admit, this is one of our most packed shows we've had in a long time. And I'm really looking forward to it. Free agency begins tomorrow. Greg Wyshynski of ESPN will jump on first with us. Take us around the league on what he's hearing before the sweepstakes get going officially tomorrow around the league. And then right after that, Scott Wheeler of The Athletics is going to jump in for a few minutes and fill us in on what he thinks about the Winnipeg Jets selections at the draft. Um, and I do know from what he wrote, was a big fan of the Roger McGrory pick. And I got to tell you, the energy and excitement that he's sort of injected into the fan base has been uh, really cool to see. And I can't wait to have him on around 2 o'clock today, about an hour from now. The first, hopefully, of many visits to WST from the Jets' first-round selection at 14th overall, Rutger McGrory. And then after that, still much more to get to. We'll focus in on the home team, looking ahead to tomorrow with Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press. Um, Shout-out to everybody listening on the podcast. Thanks for making us a part of your day. If you ever have the opportunity to pop in on Apple or Spotify and give us a five-star rating and a review, it always helps us spread the channel. And, of course, thanks to the YouTube crew, which is growing by the minute. And a big welcome to Chuck WPG. Thanks for being a new member and supporter of Winnipeg Sports Talk on the YouTube screen. Um, speaking of thanks, can't do this without the great sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Shout out to our friends at Assiniboia Downs. Cannot wait to get out there tonight and welcome our winners and their guests from the Pick 6 contest a few weeks ago. Should be a heck of a lot of fun. Cool Bet Canada, Canadian Club, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug, Not Auto Corp, Breezy Band, Royal Sports, Manitoba Battery, Culligan Water, F Apparel, Vita Health, Fresh Market, Wallace and Wallace, and of course our friends over at Aikens Lake. So Wasinski, Scott Wheeler, Rucker McGrory, Mike McIntyre. Let's get to it. Lots to get ready for. Less than twenty-four hours away from our extended free agency show tomorrow on WST. Let's get Remus in here. Remus, what's good? Ready to uh, pick some winners tonight or what? Yeah, don't forget about me. I'm here too, talking about uh, free agency. This is a really exciting time. A lot of people in all in every stream, uh, going back a couple weeks. As far as picking winners at Assiniboia Downs, we will be out there tonight. Got the big race. What race three? Is that the one? Yes, yes. Race Eight. three. Winnipeg Sports Talk Night at the races. I think we'll get to head down into the winners' circle afterwards. Eight thirty. Get a photo. Uh, Yes, it should be around there. Um, you know, we'll get there into the dining room and uh, begin our assault on that uh, amazing prime rib buffet in and around 6.30. Um, get a couple bets in on the first few races and then, yeah, head down. So if you are popping by the track tonight, um, just look for us. Uh, race three, heading out to the winner's circle. Pop by, say hi. Um, be a great chance. And it looks like a beautiful night as well for live racing. So uh, nice I'm up. really looking forward to it. Big thanks to Sherry and Darren for taking such good care of us and our guests. We're really looking forward to that. So uh, that is all tonight. But um, before we get to that tonight, Remo, uh, lots happening in and around the National Hockey League as we are counting down the hours to free agency, paying close attention to what's happening in Calgary right now with Johnny Gaudreau as the number one name on that list. Frank Saravelli in the last hour or so reporting that he's hearing that 
the Calgary Flames may have, in fact, upped their offer to Johnny Gaudreau into the eight-year, $10 million offer, one that would make him not only the highest-paid player in Calgary franchise history, but among the richest in the NHL. Um, and as Frank mentioned very accurately, if Goudreau walks, it likely won't be because of money. Um, I have a hard time imagining there'll be $80 million on the table anywhere else in the National Hockey League. Maybe he wants to go closer to home. Maybe he wants to play with somebody. But um, you can't fault the Flames for not ponying up with a legitimate offer for a Hart Trophy candidate and uh, one that would make him historically rich when it comes to Calgary Flames players. And as Johnny, you know, we've seen this happen in Winnipeg where the Jets have to like go through an order of signing guys before they can get to the other guys. And this Johnny Goudreau contract is kind of holding up a lot of stuff with their other UFAs and RFAs. You look at look at the Flames on, on Cap Friendly here, Us, They need, they got to do a lot of work this summer. As far as UFAs go, I know on defense, Zadarov and Goodbranson, they're interested in coming back, according to Salim Valji of TSN. However, they got to figure out what's going on with Johnny Gaudreau here. And then, oh yeah, you got these two big RFAs, Andrew Mangiapane and Matthew Kachuk. And as far as their cap space, I mean, they got 26 mil right now. If you give 10 of that to Johnny Gaudreau, and then you still have to sign your RFAs, there's and you got to fill out some, what, their defense, I guess... Yeah, and Matthew Kachuk, by the way, is the $9 million yeah. qualifying offer. So, so that's a, I, I don't know how they make this work here, Calgary. And I think we were talking about that uh, yesterday, you know, throughout the year, just like how tough of an offseason is. So they made the offer. We'll see what happens. I mean, maybe you make some trades after to free up some room. This is going to be some serious cap, cap gymnastics for Calgary. So... I, I don't know, man. They, they might see get a step back this year just because they're so up against it. Well, one of the other things that I think yesterday showed us, um, especially after we finished the program, was seeing some of the other... I know we were talking about Evgeny Svechnikov not being qualified by the Winnipeg Jets. It was still a little surprising considering just how cheap of a qualifying offer it was. I mean, we were basically talking about near NHL minimum. But some of the other players around the league that did not get qualifying offers, I talked about Dylan Strom yesterday. I'm still stunned that a guy that had 22 goals and almost 50 points doesn't get qualified as a former third overall pick uh, for $3.6 million. Um, and then other players have now found themselves available like Sonny Milano in uh, in Anaheim. And I think right now, Remus, we are really seeing this squeeze on the middle class and on teams in the National Hockey League that realize they are going to have some major cap issues and the first order of business not committing to, frankly, some talented players that can absolutely play part of their way to uh, give themselves a little bit more wiggle room heading into tomorrow and, of course, over the course of the rest of the uh, regular season. Yeah, sure. to sports, and they got this handy list here of who hasn't qualified their RFAs. Yes, uh, Anaheim, Sonny Milano, Stam, Sam Steele. I saw Brett Howden on the list. Uh, interesting, yeah, Dominic Kubelik. I don't know if we talked about him specifically, but Dylan Strome, we mentioned Obey Kubel and Avalanche. And look, even if you, their qualifying offer might be like a tiny bit more, these teams are trying to save every single dollar they can. And there are there were some interesting... Um, names out there yesterday, you wonder if the Jets are looking for any. Oh, yeah, Brandon Lemieux, former Jet. He's a he's a free agent now. Who I saw Canadians surprised Rem Pitlick, uh, Kale Clegg. He made a bit of an impact as well at times. They may have played him on 
on DraftKings when he got the power play role. Um, <laughs> so there's, oh yeah, Jonathan Dolan was one in San Jose. A lot of surprises there. And now there's some Brent Burns rumors out there. So there were definitely, say, oh yeah, Andre Kasha in Toronto, who's was a good player when healthy, but he just couldn't stay healthy. And so there were, oh yeah, and Samsonov as well in Washington. So it seems like they've been linked to Darcy, Darcy Kemper as a goalie. So I agree with you. Big squeeze. Teams trying to save as much money as they can. Maybe they sign them to a lower contract, but saying, hey, you can become a free agent. So a, a couple more free agents. I think it's good for the Jets, who are probably going to be in the bargain bin of free agents, as they seem to be every year. But you hope they can find a diamond in the rough. Maybe the next. Everyone's looking for the next uh, Valerie Nakushkin. And speaking of Nakushkin, <laughs> he, 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 got, he got paid, uh, what, 6.125. A million AAV eight for, years for eight years, and hey, you win a cup, your impact player. I don't know this con- this contract could work. Out. I think it'll work over both sides. Well, I mean, his resurgence, um, and well, I shouldn't say resurgence, but emergence with the Colorado Avalanche after such a disappointing start, looking like a complete bust in Dallas, is is incredible. I mean, I keep going back. We saw this guy over and over again playing with the Dallas Stars. 57 games, no goals. Like, I mean, he was thought to be um, a complete whiff and then gets his opportunity with Colorado and stepped up huge this year. And as big as his 25 goals and 52 points in the regular season were, um, his performance in the playoffs even more impactful. And then you see what he was playing with in the Stanley Cup final with that broken foot. Um, I think he became a little bit of an avalanche legend. Um, you know, still has plenty of time left on his career. So I'm not sure that the $8 million, I mean, it's not like you're signing a 31-year-old player um, that's going to take you into 39. So it could very well work out, work out well. Um, it does seem, though, with that signing, that Nazem Kadri is going to be hitting the market. and. You know, I just finished up the lock shop with Dustin Nielsen. And by the way, wherever you uh, get podcasts, uh, give us a sub and uh, check it out. Um, uh, Dusty and I were going through a bunch of the cool bet lines on NHL free agency. And what's really interesting right now, I mean, usually the bookmakers, they know what they're doing. I mean, Claude Giroux is minus 110 to go to Ottawa. Uh, that probably has a lot to do with Drager's report that it's highly likely he gets him. Uh, sounds like Kemper is going to Washington. He's minus 333. Jack Campbell, same number to go to the Edmonton Oilers. What really stood out to me, though, Nazem Kadri plus 150 to the Detroit Red Wings or New York Rangers. Rangers make sense, although certainly a major cap crunch if they do uh, go that direction. Uh, but Detroit's fascinating. I mean, I guess he just won a cup. He's got his ring. Maybe they can offer the most, and he would be a great guy to sort of help build around this resurgence. Um, but speaking of the Rangers, I'll tell you what, uh, it already seems like Andrew Kopp is assuredly going to see what is out there on the open market. And I can tell you that if they make a big play for Nazem Kadri and get him, there is zero chance Andrew Kopp's going back to the Big Apple. Yeah, I'm trying to, you know, I was trying to put a picture on like which free agents here we're keeping an eye on because we know the Jets aren't going to be a big player, but I guess we can hang on. Okay, where are our former players? Or where Paul Stasny is one. I think we'd like to see him back, but uh, it seems like the writing's on the wall. But Andrew Kopp, the former Jet, and Arthur Staple of The Athletic reporting today, sources say that the Rangers are out on Andrew Kopp. And I'll bring it up here. 
sides talked over the weekend, but the Rangers are right likely looking elsewhere for their number two center spot. And I, I think kind of surprising because he seemed to fit in so well playing with Strom and Panarin. However, I think any player would fit in well with Panarin. I don't think that's a cop-specific thing, but he was a very productive player. He's, I think he's almost point a game or, or slightly over. Plays power play, plays penalty kill. Or is it even strength? He's smart defensively. I think he would help a lot of teams. I'm curious. I think before the season, has we were said, okay, well, he's not a $5 million player, but the question is now, is he going to get $6 million, Andrew Kopp? And I think that is a player we'll be keeping. One of one of the former Jets will be keeping. Right, Evander Kane maybe being being the other. But So we'll wait and see where he goes. I am curious. Detroit, we've kind of been saying for a while, but as you said, if they're in on, on Kadri, definitely no room for Kopp. Yeah, I, I'll be very interested to see where Cop ends up. I'll also be interested if the Jets try and go back and get into that mix. Um, I mean, he was willing to sign a long-term deal here last year. Now they'll have a bunch of competition he, to do it. He and said maybe that. Be elsewhere. He's like uh, people are. He said that here, but I think he's just playing the PR game. I'm sure he liked it, and he's like, well, and but I mean, they never came to him, so I don't, I don't know. They went to arbitration. I mean, they had all sorts of talks. I mean, it went, it went through. They didn't go to arbitration. Well, I mean, before they, they did, did, they didn't they last previously, year. Previously, previously, yeah, yeah. But I mean, last year it came down like once they had added the ten million bucks in Dil- in uh, Dylan and uh, Nate Schmidt, um, it basically came down to Cop and Neil Pionk, and uh, the team went and signed Pionk to the four year extension, and they knew they didn't have enough money left under the cap to get Cop done. Um, I'm just saying that if the Rangers are out and they can't do it, um, you know, if, if you want to get the money that you feel you deserve, you know, there'll only be so many spots. And I'm not even sure that the money would be available here, to be honest, with what's happening in Winnipeg. It certainly would be made much more likely to happen if they had already been able to trade one of their defensemen. Although, realistically, you don't need to be at the cap until the, the season starts. So you do have some time to work that. But it's better to have the cap space than assume you'll get the cap space later. Um, You know, we've definitely heard Nashville. um, And I think a lot of people have put the, uh, you know, connected the dots knowing that he's a Michigan guy and maybe think that, you know, he'd be a good fit back in Detroit. Um, But I do wonder after the success that he had last year, the taste of that run to the conference finals as well in 17-18, how much is it going to be about money for Andrew Kopp and how much it will be about uh, the best chance to win? I think it's probably going to be more about money because, of course, he's bet on himself and worked hard a long time to get to this point where he has the opportunity to sign with the highest bidder and the best deal for him in his career. Yeah, I'm looking at evolving hockey's projections for him. They have him at a four year term term, five point seven six eight million. So we'll see if he can get that. And they projected a different team as well. So is Nashville a fit? Hey, I'm, yeah. It just quickly, Lynn Reimer in chat saying cops not coming back. If he wanted to be here, he would have extended here. Well, he didn't have the opportunity to extend here. I mean, there was no discussions on that. The Jets spent all the money. And, you know, we just said, think about last summer. I mean, they had a very limited amount and there were two remaining RFAs. One was Neil Pionk. One was Andrew Kopp. 
Pionk got the long-term deal or the four-year deal, um, and Cop was forced to settle for a one-year deal. So, I mean, he was pretty clear beforehand. He was hoping to get a long-term deal. He was hoping to stay here. And listen, it wasn't offered to him. So you can no. say a lot of things about other players that have sort of wanted that. Andrew Cop, that's not a fair, um, that's not a fair description of what happened between the Jets and Andrew Cop. They didn't have the money, so it never even got to that point. He didn't that, have the opportunity to say no to an extension. He could have signed a long-term deal before for two negotiations look they went to arbitration for one they argued for another the offer didn't come and so he says to the media he was looking flat houses and trying to sign look i don't know if that's true or not but it's easy to play the pr game and get get fans on your sign by putting that out there without actually uh, having to do that you make it sound like he only said that after it all went down and he got the one-year deal that wasn't the case at all i'm saying he said that he said that uh this past after the last one did he not yeah, but I think he also said that beforehand as well, that he was looking for a long-term contract and well, he didn't get the offer. I mean, I don't know how you can give the guy a hard time about that. It, I, well, I don't know. It seems like the him and, and the Jets could never agree what his value was. And there was always that difference. And that's why it didn't work out because I guess he thought he was here. The Jets thought he was here. Did the Jets ever offer him a long-term contract? I, I don't know if they did, if they did or didn't. I have no idea, but I'm just saying he said that. Look, he just like like it's revisionist history to start saying, oh, he turned down because that said simply has down, never been reported. I never said um, he turned down anything. I'm just saying yeah. he he floated he floated that out there at, uh, in training camp that he was trying to sign long term. I don't know, guys. Well, he also said at the end of the season before that he was hoping to get something done, and and I mean it wasn't he, he didn't just only say that after he was stuck with the one year deal. I okay. I'm just, I'm just saying, look, guys say stuff, you know, you can believe it or not. I like Andrew Cobb, great player. Would have loved to see him here long-term. I think we're arguing about semantics here. Yeah. That being said, uh, I wouldn't hold my breath if you're a big cop no. fan and think that he's going to be coming back at this one point. But I will say this, I mean, stranger things have happened in that. I mean, you know, the Winnipeg Jets would love to have a guy like Andrew Cobb back in, in the fold. And as I said, you know, maybe we're wasting our time. The cop will be cop will, will have some nice offers, but I will interested. Do you think he gets that uh, that uh, the contract that you just rolled out from uh, where was it from Evolving Hockey Arena? I mean, five years at close to five point eight. It only takes one, and you know, if you're going to the top dollar, maybe that is out there. I'm not sure what sort of team though has that money available for Andrew Cop. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Um, they said five point seven six eight. I saw Frank floating out, you know, 5.756. I don't know who has money. And the thing about who has money, um, you know, here we have, we're following these Blake Wheeler trade rumors that Frank's putting out. Well, if he's got control and wants to go to a team that wants to win, um, like who, the, what team that wants to, yeah, is looking to win has the cap space for him. There's, there's not many or if any at all. So I am, you know, as Jeff said, yeah, but yesterday it'll be like a team's like plan B. Or see if they strike out today. So uh, maybe that's something to watch too. Well, I, I think, you know, we're going to find out how much and how willing Blake Wheeler is to move out of Winnipeg over the next little while, because you're exactly right. Um, you know, that perfect landing spot and, um, you know, and making 8.25 million is probably not out there. Now, if you really just want to get out of Winnipeg and don't want to deal with coming back in the aftermath of last season and feel like a fresh start is necessary and the best thing for he and his family, 
There'll be some options out there, but they might not be ones that you'd really want to stomach. Um, and, you know, part of me, part of me thinks, Dream, that we've spent so much time talking about the changes that have to be made that, you know, presumably haunted this team last year and really held them back. Now that they're sort of out in the open and everyone's talked about the challenges for Rick Bonus coming around, it is almost sort of half funny to think about what it might be like if all those guys do come back and how they try to run it back in a very different way. You know, what happens to the captaincy and all those things? I mean, I still think from what we've heard, the most likely ending is Blake Wheeler being elsewhere. Um, but I've also said, I mean, Wheeler's a guy that, you know, can still absolutely contribute once you're taking on, I mean, like if you're talking about buying out Blake Wheeler, I mean, you better have a really good option to make the most out of the money that you're getting back because you're losing a hell of a hockey player, a guy that is a major contributor in so many ways with this team. So um, there there hasn't been a lot uh, clarified so far up until this point of the offseason other than the swing and miss on Barry Trotz and, the, uh, and then of course, the new head coach, Rick Bonus. Um, but we'll talk about this with Mike McIntyre a little later on. I'm looking forward to seeing what Wyshynski has to say about the uh, what he's hearing around the Winnipeg Jets heading into free agency. Um, before we do that, a yeah, big thanks to our friends at Wallace & Wallace, Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist. They've been serving residential and commercial customers since 1946. Um, if your property needs the security and protection of a new fence or if winter did a number on your old one, they've got you covered with every kind possible vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood. They're also the garage door experts and boathouse doors as well. Find out more. Pop down and see them at 90 Lawson Road or online at wallacefences.com or wallacedoors.com. And again, thanks to everyone that took advantage of that free uh, laser piece for the garage. They went very quickly. Shout out to everyone that popped by there. Wallace and Wallace, 90 Lawson Road. And of course, you can also hit them up online or give them a call at 452-2700. I'm pumped. I'm going down to see Andrew after the show today at F Apparel and get fitted up for maybe a new suit. I'm also really interested to check out some of the other things they have. And we spend so much time talking about suits because that is their main bread and butter. Of course, the uh, best and most affordable custom suits in town. But I'm looking forward to seeing some of the accessories, the chinos, golf pants, and more. And of course, taking advantage of that great deal for summer right now. Custom shirts, three for $210. Pop down and see them in person at 190 Smith Street or check them out online at F, that's EPHapparel.com. I'll fill you in tomorrow on the full fitting experience with Andrew and the guys. Really looking forward to heading down today after the show. Um, hey, our friends at Vita Health are uh, busy this summer. Uh, listen, they've always been the go-to spot in Winnipeg for the best selection of local and organic, natural grocery supplements and beauty products. But with barbecue season here, uh, they've got some amazing, delicious and healthy options to throw on the grill, including bison burgers and lean bison steaks had a few of the bison burgers at that barbecue they had a couple weeks ago and they were absolutely phenomenal not to mention chicken and so much more and of course if you're entertaining pop by vita health be a considerate host and get some great non-alcoholic options for some of your guests they've got all sorts including the uh, sober carpenter beer series which are very popular as well vita health fresh market seven winnipeg locations including the newest store in linden ridge and online 
at myvita.ca. And man, I am counting down the days. Early August, going to be heading out for a few days out to Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, my favorite few days of the year. I've been so fortunate to get out there and hang with the Turin family and learn about fishing in a world-class operation with some people that know what's up that can help even beginners like me slay master anglers. Um, the best part about it all is you're on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg, including the flight up to Aikens Lake. If you haven't been there before, give them a buzz. Uh, talk to them online, AikensLake.com or Aikens Lake on all their socials and uh, maybe get planning for a once-in-a-lifetime trip for either the family or a corporate outing next year at Aikens Lake. All right, still to come on the program Jets first round pick, Rutger McGrory. He is joining us uh, coming up at the top of the hour. We will also have Scott Wheeler pop on and we're going to find out a little bit more about Rutger McGrory before he joins us live on the program. And then uh, lots for us to chop up with Mike McIntyre later on, Reem, as uh, Mike's going to join us a little later than normal with such a packed schedule for today's program. Yeah, trying to just uh, bring it all in here. Greg's, Greg just joined the room, so I'll, I will add him in. But no shortage of topics today uh, with the NHL Freight. This is such a fun week. The draft, free agency, so many people in chat. So I'm, I'm pretty fired up here. It's great. By the way, everyone that's with us, if you haven't before, hit that red subscribe button. You know how the YouTubers work. Subscribe, uh, let a friend know about it. And um, as I said, we'll talk a little bit more about the Jets picks with Scott Wheeler and then Jet first rounder Rucker McGrory coming up at the top of the hour. But before that, let's welcome in the Wishman, Greg Wyshynski from ESPN, less than 24 hours away from free agency. Wish, thanks so much for doing this. How are you? How did you enjoy Montreal? Oh, I enjoyed Montreal too much. <laughs> I mean, it was. Uh, How many dogs did you have? Were you did you put on a chestnut like performance? I I think I might have. I, I averaged at at least three a day. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, the lines would get bigger and bigger, so that kind of put me off of of having too many. Um, but I mean, it was just the best time. I mean, definitely drank and ate my way through the city. Uh, my lovely wife was up, so we hit some of the the restaurants in town and. It was just a good time, man. Like I, you know, the the, the hockey media can be kind of uh, high schooly sometimes, a little soap opera-y sometimes, as you know. And I feel like we all missed each other so much in the last couple of years that the uh, Stanley Cup Finals um, and the draft, like everyone was just feeling really good and and had good times and it was good to see everybody again oh my god i wish we didn't have so much to talk about i just go down that rabbit hole with the best beefs in the hockey media and we could talk about that for an hour or so um, I mean, I'm, I'm at i'm at the center of at least half of them so i mean you know we could, we could definitely hit a lot of them um you know what just quickly i mean i don't want to spend too much time on the draft but um Montreal was hosting. They had a number one overall pick. Most people thought it was going to be Shane Wright. He dropped a four. I mean, what were your memories of just the atmosphere and the excitement and getting, as, as the commissioner said, he was getting his ass boot on stage, a return to normalcy. I mean, it really did seem like a special night there in Montreal and an exciting one as well. Yeah, it was the, it's the perfect venue for the draft, not only because of the enthusiasm for the of the fans, but obviously also just the level of knowledge in the building too. I mean, you know, when you would hear a kid who grew up in Quebec get drafted, the crowd reacted in kind, like they all know them. Um, as far as the first overall pick goes, like I will never forget the sound that that crowd made 
when most of them were anticipating, right? Slipkowski gets, ends up being the name. And you heard this sound that was a combination of like cheers and boos and gasps and WTFs and like everything at the same time in one moment. And, you know, I'm, as a lot of people know, I'm a, I'm a wrestling fan. And like the only comparison I could make is this, those moments in professional wrestling where, um, you know, someone's music hits that you don't expect. And then the crowd just loses their mind. It was like one of those moments, and um, and it was just it was just magical. The whole first first day was just uh, some of the most fun you could have at the draft. Only not only because of the crowd, but because of the unpredictability uh, throughout the entire first round. Well, speaking of the WWE theme, I mean, two things that stood out for me later on that night: Slakovsky going through the crowd, basically like <laughs> the biggest face in the company, high fiving everyone yeah. on his way, and then. From my, from my perspective, the highlight of the entire weekend was Kevin Owens himself surprising <laughs> Bruce Boudreaux on the NHL set. That was an absolutely priceless moment and just shows the reason why everyone loves Bruce Boudreaux. It, it, it really was. And to see Bruce uh, in real time morph into a 12-year-old boy <laughs> was uh, was incredible to watch. And just like... You know, he gets all red faced. He starts peppering Kevin Owens with questions like, "Why are you coming back from injury? Are you going to be at SummerSlam?" And 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 being like, uh, "I'm, I'm going to call Vince McMahon myself if he doesn't give you the title." I think Vince might be a little busy these days, but uh, <laughs> but you know, yeah. it's it just really really fun to see um, to see someone who has fans as Bruce Brudrow no doubtedly does. Uh, become a fan for someone else in that moment. It's not something we often get to see from people inside the uh, NHL. Greg, um, let's move on. And I guess before we get to free agency, what was your reaction yesterday to a number of pretty talented younger players not getting qualifying offers from their teams? I mean, I'll be honest. We were stunned here in Winnipeg that Evgeny Svechnikov didn't get one. And this is maybe a little different than a few of the others because it was still a relatively cheap number. And it'll be interesting to hear what Kevin Sheveldayoff has to say about that decision. Although in the past, they didn't qualify Joe Morrow and then ended up signing him. So I don't believe the door is closed. Right. But I mean, the likes of Dylan Strom, I mean, the, what's happening in Chicago is insane. Sonny Milano and Anaheim. I mean, are we now seeing more of the effects of the flat cap really? really wreak its toll on the middle lower class of the national hockey league. Well, we definitely are. I was talking to an agent earlier this week about what we, what the landscape kind of looked like. And he said, look, the top guys are going to get their money. I think we've already seen that with Philip Forsberg and with Chris Letang. Um, it's the middle class. He said that is going to get slammed. He called it a bloodbath is basically what we're going to see in the next couple of weeks. And I don't think he's necessarily wrong. The combination of a couple of factors, the flat cap being the primary one, where if the cap is only moving up by a million dollars, you hear it all the time from the executives in the league that the um, arbitration process is still tied to a system that's pre-pandemic. And so you're seeing comparisons to salaries and things of that nature that existed before everyone had to kind of tighten their belts because of the salary cap. And so because of that system being a little bit out of sync, I think you're seeing teams get more aggressive with trying to get out of the arbitration system by not qualifying players. And then, of course, you do have some specific, you know, unique situations each year. One in Chicago where they're just like stripping the thing down to the nuts and bolts at this point. It's like Taves, Kane, Jones, and cockroaches, I think, at this point in Chicago with the way that they've torn that thing down. Um, and then you have, you know, as, as you often do in, in, in each offseason, 
um, new general managers that come in. So like, you know, Pat Verbeek in Anaheim has no tie whatsoever to Sonny Milano. Doesn't know Sonny Milano from a hole in the wall. And so even though we watched him play really well for them and his analytics are strong, um, you know, Verbeek might want the flexibility to kind of pay him what he believes he's worth versus what the arbitration system says he's worth. Um, uh, listen, you've got a great piece and all fans should check it out at ESPN, sort of previewing free agency from every team's perspective. Uh, I don't want to miss getting to the Winnipeg Jets right away because they were quite a quiet team. I mean, they had a couple first round selections. We're going to actually have Rucker McGrory join us in about half an hour from now. Looking forward to that. Um, but many of us were expecting a potential deal involving the captain, Blake Wheeler. And at minimum, at some point this summer, at least one contract off the blue line going elsewhere to make room for the likes of Billy Hanel and Dylan Sandberg. Um, what are, you, are you hearing anything about the Winnipeg Jets and what intrigues you about our, the, their situation heading into tomorrow? Yo, well, like you have heard about the Wheeler thing about requesting a trade and 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 wanting a change uh, for himself at this point in his career. And, you know, I don't know if it's competitive. I don't know if it's geographic. I've heard it could be a geographic thing. So if that's the case, it kind of limits the market. But, you know, I, I have a feeling with Wheeler, it's probably one of those things where Kevin Shovel Dayoff will, will probably, if he is exploring a deal, kind of see where the dust settles within this free agency period. Um, see who lost out on Kane, see who lost out on Giroux, see who lost out on Perron now that that's um, going to hit the market, and then kind of see who might need a veteran winger of some accomplishment in in Blake Wheeler. The defenseman thing, there's one name that kind of stands out for me, and that's Brendan Dillon, um, for obvious reasons. Um, really good player. I think he's got trade value. And when you start to look at possibilities – um, two kind of stand out for you, and they're both where he used to play in California. Um, the Los Angeles Kings, I think, are in need of a veteran defenseman. Um, I think he would fit the bill there really well. And and same thing with the Anaheim Ducks. You traded away uh, Josh Manson and Hampus Lindholm at the deadline last year. I think they could probably use a veteran hand back there as some of their younger guys come into the lineup. So, um, you know, it, it, you always like to get somebody who knows what the uh, life is like when you're playing in California with road trips and all that such. And uh, in Brandon Dillon, and then also uh, another name to look out for for those teams, uh, Alec Martinez with the Vegas Golden Knights, I think certainly is somebody that they they could keep an eye on in these situations. Greg, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's being from Winnipeg in the smallest market. I got a little bit of a soft spot for what's happened in Ottawa for the few years. Um, <laughs> it, it, you mentioned Vince McMahon. I mean, should Pierre Dorian be walking around with a Vince-style strut right now with the work that he's done the last little while? I mean... I have to tell you, what he was able to get Alex Dabrinkat for, I think, dropped some jaws around the league. And even if they're not able to sign him, I'm not sure that at the deadline or next year, they're not able to get easily as much, if not more, for them him at that point than what they gave up. And uh, it sounds like they're very much in on Claude Giroux as well. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to steal somebody's joke that I saw on Twitter, which is that Pierre Dorian should just keep trading with guys named Kyle. He's doing quite well <laughs> in trading with guys named Kyle. Um, you know, the Debrinket thing, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the, 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 the trade value that he would have if you were going to flip him, because I think that is part of the equation and why the return was so good, um, you know, insofar as what Ottawa gave up for him. I thought, you know, a lot of the things that we were hearing about what Debrinket could be traded for was related to him then, you know, staying around and signing, signing a long-term deal, making some sort of commitment to a team um, beyond the um, parameters of his contract. I don't think he quite has that in Ottawa, obviously. So the, the 
bounty they gave up for him, I think, is commiserate to what they don't know about his future in that market. That being said, it's still it's still getting an asset that they could then turn around and, and really make a killing on um, at the trade deadline if 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 things don't seem like they're going to progress uh, towards the future with him. So that was a really solid move. Drew there has been kind of predestined because of his uh, history. He lived there as a teenager, played his junior hockey there. Um, it's just a matter of whether or not he wants to be on a team that's on the way up, but still has some ways to go versus maybe playing in a place where he could, you know, potentially finally win that cup. And then um, the Matt Murray trade was insanely great. I mean, like the idea that he was able to move Murray um, and not have to retain 50% on the salary um, and get, get him off the cap and get back what he got back for him is astounding. Like it just show, goes to show the desperation that teams have in the goalie market um, when you start to see the carousel spin a little bit. Um, and then it also goes to show that uh, Kyle Dubas can't help himself when it comes to acquiring former Sioux Greyhounds, apparently. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I'm I'm one to try to point out a lot of the smart, snark, uh, smart and cynicism all the time uh, amongst hockey Twitter. I think it was 100% deserved last night after that <laughs> least sense trade. I mean, I still can't really wrap my head around it. No, I well, guess this brings us I'll to. Wait, I'll, I'll, let me, let me, I'll defend the Murray thing for a little. Like, there are folks in the analytics community that believe that he is much better than his numbers would indicate. Um, the Leafs have always been analytics forward. I guarantee you they have some numbers that are, we don't have publicly that tell them that Murray was an improved goalie last year. And, um, you know, they have within their system the goaltending coach that was there in the Sioux when Murray was there with Dubas and Keefe. So, like, it's a different kind of landing spot for Murray than, than Ottawa was. There seems to be some improvement in his game. I think the problem for me on this is that we don't know who that other guy is going to be. And right now it feels very much like you've gone out and gotten Peter Morazic volume two, a guy that is streaky and injury prone. And we don't know who the other person is going to be in case this person can't do the job. And that's the real problem for the Leafs right now. The thing that stands out to me is that reportedly the number that they're going to be paying Matt Murray isn't much different than what Jack Campbell's asking for on the open market. I mean, are, are they better at goaltender with Matt Murray instead of Jack Campbell? I, I have a hard time making that argument right now. Well, that's a real good question. And I think that when we get to the end of this process, it's one that Kyle Dubas is going to have to answer. Um, yeah, you know, Campbell's very solid, but there has been this school of thought that said, the team in front of him plays so well that all he needs to do is be competent. And so if you can get that level of competence from Matt Murray, then then maybe you've made yourself a decent deal and, and not had to commit the years that they would have had, had to commit to Campbell. That's the other thing about Campbell. Like right now, the rumor is that there's a five over five deal on the table for him, probably from Edmonton. And so maybe they don't want to go five years with Campbell or any goalie. And if that's the case, then, you know, maybe they've, they've made themselves a, a smarter decision. It remains to be seen. Greg Wyshynski of ESPN with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Well, let's quickly look ahead to tomorrow. I mean, top three guys on the board on most lists, Johnny Gaudreau, Nazem Kadri, and we'll move into Vander Kane in that mix as well. Um, prediction time. Where do you think those three guys end up? <laughs> well, I, I'm starting to feel more like Gaudreau to Philly now that they're starting to clear out a little space. Um, that's always seemed like it could be the thing that happens. Um, but I'll say this. I mean, Calgary... When they said they were going to move heaven and earth to sign this guy, they weren't lying. Like the money they're throwing at him 
is significant. The contracts they've given them on the table are are real. They really believe they've got a chance to retain them. So I'm not going to say that they're out of it. Uh, I was the one thing at the draft that really struck me was the sort of optimism and enthusiasm that Brad Tree Living had with regard to these negotiations. Now, he might be talking a completely different uh, story by midnight tonight. We'll see. But I mean, I, I'd say 50-50 right now that he stays or goes, um, which is not where I would have thought I would be maybe two weeks ago. Padre is a really interesting one because I think Nazem's going to have a chance to play for some teams that are legit contenders. I bet the Rangers are in on them. Um, I think Boston's situation with Krejci coming back might be a little different than it was maybe a month ago. But he's also going to have the opportunity, I think, to really make some money and play in a couple places that don't, aren't necessarily close to, to contention. I, I would keep Seattle in mind for the situation where they could make him the number one center and then allow Beneers and, and, and Shane Wright a little bit more time to mature. And then um, Evander Kane, I, I'll, give Ken, I'll give Ken Holland credit, man. Like He might be playing this right. And the way he's playing it is, I'm, I'm going to put my money on the table. I'm going to let him know where we are. I'm going to let him know what our cap flexibility is. He can go out and find greener grass, and it is green enough where he wants to go and play in this place, by all means. If not, we'll be here for him, and he can spend the next four to five years, you know, taking passes from Connor McDavid. And so I think that's the right way to play it. You don't, don't blow out your salary structure to keep this guy around based on not only, you know, the market, but also his past history. If somebody else wants to commit long-term with the money he's looking for, so be it. If not, we're going to be here to to catch the apple when it falls from the tree. I think it's a really smart way to play it for Ken Holland. Greg, are you hearing anything about a couple former Jets that are hitting UFA tomorrow? Andrew Cott, most notably, who had that great playoff run in New York. And uh, Paul Stastny, who we've heard is rumored that wants to be going to a contender, uh, but haven't really yeah. heard him tied to any teams at this point. I think whoever gets Stastny is going to be doing themselves a favor, man. I'll, I've always been a huge Agreed. fan of him as a guy in the room, as a competitor, um, as Winnipeg fans saw this past year, the ability to play up and down the lineup, cops the same way. They're kind of similar in that sense that they can, you can cast them in several different roles and they're going to excel no matter what you ask of them. Um, so in either case, whoever gets either of those guys is going to do really well for themselves. Cops is surprised though. I spent a lot of time around the Rangers and the thought was if they let Ryan Strome go, it was going to be Andrew Cops' spot. And so to have that not have worked out the way it did um, or the way it was predicted is kind of a surprise and, and it makes you wonder whether or not the Rangers have something else cooking at the center spot beyond those guys. That was, uh, you know, we were just looking at some odds. I was doing the, uh, the you know, your pal uh, Dustin Nielsen. We do a betting show <laughs> together, the lock shop, and we were looking at some of the free agency odds and Kadri right now, the two favorites to sign him at plus 150 are the New York Rangers and the Detroit Red Wings. This is the first time we've heard the Red Wings being in on top free agents in a while. Is this sort of the time where they now take a big step forward after the great young players that we saw blossom last year? Yeah, for sure. And and, and they're they're right and in, in that, you know, maturation curve where you can start going out and getting guys like Kadri who are going to be good for you now. They need to start contending a little bit, giving these young guys a taste of it. Um and then once those guys are are mature. He's still going to be a solid player for you on like the second or third year of his contract, and 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 be able to help 
push you into contention. So yeah, I, I think the problem is there's like two teams where you are not getting a single shred of relevant information from those rooms. One of them's Detroit, the other one's on Long Island. So it's really hard to figure out what that's going to end up looking like. But um, but I th- like I said, I think Seattle and Detroit are two teams to really watch in the next couple of days that could make a huge splash, even though from the outside looking in, they're not necessarily as close to contention as some of the other teams that might have money for a guy like Kadri or another guy, another player to look for, uh, uh, John Klingberg, for example, who I think could go to a place like Carolina that has the want and the need for a puck-moving defenseman, or he could reunite with his friend Jamie Alexiak in Seattle and potentially go there for a few years because they need a veteran puck-moving defenseman. Wish. Always love having you in the program. Thanks so much. Uh, quickly, uh, tee up what you and the ESPN team have coming up tomorrow. Yeah, so um, for anybody watching the States, uh, the trade, uh, trade, the free agent frenzy coverage will be on ESPN Plus, uh, Boutergrass, uh, Kevin Weeks taking videos from wherever the hell he's taking videos from. The People's uh, Insider. <laughs> uh, Rick DiPietro is going to be there. Brian Boucher is going to be there. And then myself and Kristen Shilton and, and Emily Kaplan, I believe, are going to be more on the writing side tomorrow. So it's going to be fun. It's, it's, uh, it's one of the more wilder couple of days leading up to the frenzy that I can remember, which means I think we're going to see a lot of surprises and, 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 and fireworks in the next couple of days as well. Appreciate your time, pal. Have a great one tomorrow and a great summer. Oh man. Thanks. Really appreciate you guys having me on again and we'll see you soon. You got it. There it is. Greg Wyshynski. Give him a follow on Twitter at Wyshynski and check out all of his fine work along with the ESPN team over at ESPN and ESPN.com. All right. We're keeping a fast pace to the show. Rucker McGrory coming up a little bit later on. Mike McIntyre as well. But we are going to get back to the Jets draft. Just before we do that, I want to give a big thanks to Culligan Water. 65 years in the biz as the water experts here in the peg. Softers, filters, coolers, systems, whole home systems, drinking water systems, citywide water delivery services, as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. 1200 Sargent Avenue and hit them up online at Drink culligan.com and we will raise a little brown jug for uh the jets picks in the first round and do that with scott wheeler right now of course don't forget the new folk fest lager is available lots of people enjoying it at a great turnout at the folk fest on the weekend you can try it for yourself down at the tap room on william avenue check out all the great little brown jug beers and of course you can also order online for home delivery at littlebrownjug.ca. All right, let's welcome in Scott Wheeler from the Athletic. Scott, what a wild weekend in Montreal, or I guess technically Thursday, Friday. Um when we spoke with you before as well as a number of people in the prospect game, the one thing that was seemingly agreed upon is that no one could agree on anything. What did you think of the first <laughs> round overall? Um, were you as surprised as many fans were, especially the way the top picks shook out with the Shane Wright falling to number four? Uh, if I'm being honest, I wasn't super surprised. It was the most common question I got from my colleagues while we were in town. There was a huge group of us in town uh, at, from the athletic. There must have been 70 or 80 of us in Montreal for the draft. And uh, we, we got together a couple of times in advance of the draft. And the, common, the most common question was, who do you think is going to go number one? And throughout the week, I was giving the answer of your Slavkovsky to those questions. So uh, that, that piece of it did feel like it switched. It felt like a couple of weeks in advance of the draft that had kind of become uh, the, the, maybe not the foregone conclusion, but certainly the more likely of the, of the two choices. So once that, that pivot did happen, because if you'd asked me that question a month ago, I would have said Shane Wright would go number one. 
Uh, but once that did that pivot did happen, you kind of knew that things were going to look a little bit funky, a little bit different after Slavkovsky went off the board, just because uh, Arizona was was likely locked in on Logan Cooley, uh, and, and things were were hairy as to what the New Jersey Devils were going to do. So. Uh, didn't completely shock me, but it still made for a lot of fun. This was the most, as far as I'm concerned, the most uh, fun I've had covering the draft. Uh, this was my ninth draft, I believe. And this was this was as good as it gets. I think the draft has been a little underwhelming in years past, uh, just in terms of movement and trades and all of that. And between the Debrinkat trade before the draft even got started, you go to right down the list, there was... There were a lot of talking points and the way that everything kind of played out was was a lot of fun. So uh, pretty much as good as you could ask for, if, if you're asking me. Speaking of a lot of fun, uh, the Jets first round selection, Rucker McGrory seems like a lot of fun. We're going to have him jumping on the program in a few minutes for the first time here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, you, uh, you know, it's funny, you know, reading your reports in The Athletic about the draft. It seems like the Jets keep taking the guys that you're most enamored with in the interview process, um, mm-hmm. both on the ice and off the ice. What are the Jets getting in their 14th selection? Well, you guys are going to love your chat with Rutger. Rutger was a lot like Cole Perfetti and Chaz Lucius in, in their draft years. Probably my favorite interview in this draft. I speak with the vast majority of the top 60, 70 kids over the course of the season. And uh, he, he was one that just really stood out to me. He's got a ton of life and energy to him. It's no surprise that he was the captain of the National Development Program team this year. Uh, just one of those kids who just has an energy and a spirit about him. Uh, that I think will really endear himself to fans. And then on top of that, the player uh, is is a fabulous player as well. Rutger is a very strong athletic kid, kind of a broad-shouldered kid, uh, but can really shoot the puck, can handle the puck, a very intelligent player in terms of how he gets open, the spacing that he takes and how he sort of uses space and finds pocket of, uh, sort of pockets of space, if you will, inside the offensive zone. Uh, to get open into. So just a a really well-rounded player. The one thing, and I'm sure he would tell you this, uh, the one thing he he wants to work on is his skating. That's been the talking point of the last couple of years, but everything else is there. The work ethic, the shot, uh, the way he reads and understands the play. uh, And he very much plays to his strengths when he's out there and knows how to get the most out of his game. So big, big fan of Rucker, not just the kid, but also the player. And you, you guys are going to really enjoy speaking to him. We always spend so much time around draft time talking about, you know, the basics, the the, the genuine talent of players. And it seems mm-hmm. like he does have plenty of talents, but a lot of the things that he also, and I think part of the reason why the Jets fell in love with him were more intangibles. I mean, you talk about that leadership quality and you talk about the energy that he brings. And frankly, that was something that was really lacking here in Winnipeg last year, not suggesting he's going to turn it around this year or even play with the club, but um, mm-hmm. You understood why they did that. And he said he modeled his games around the Kachucks. Um, and there's some of that Kachuk energy from a guy like that, which, of course, when they're on the other team, you hate their guts. But every team wants a guy that brings that to the table. Yeah, I don't think he's a, a pest per se. I don't think he has that sort of mean streak that, that a Matthew Kachuk has or that a Brad Marchand has in terms of the way that they get under people's skins but very much a, a chatty guy on the ice. He plays hard. He finishes all of his checks. He's physical along the wall. He's sturdy over his skates, which makes sort of knocking him off the puck a, a tall task. So there is a lot of that to him. He's only six feet tall, but you'll, you'll see, I mean, you may even see it on video when you're talking to him, but a very sort of stocky, strong kid as well. So 
Uh, there's definitely some of that to him, certainly in terms of the interviews and the way he speaks uh, and how sort of vibrant his personality is. I can, I can see the, the Kachuk comp comparisons, but I wouldn't call him a, a sort of pest or a, a shit disturber, if you will. That's just not really not really the, the sort of bread and butter of his game. Well, Scott Rutger, uh, who's going to join us shortly, was only uh, one of two first-round picks. And shout-out to the Rangers for making it to the conference finals and turning that second-rounder into a first for Winnipeg. Gave us a lot more to talk about. And for the Jets, they get Brad Lambert. And if you can't, I mean, I think a lot of people would be interested to hear. I mean, you've covered this draft game for a long time. I mean, the mm -hmm. the rise and fall of Brad Lambert. And are the Jets fortunate that a guy like this fell to them at 30 or um are they taking a real risk on a guy that um you know the stock certainly wasn't on draft day what it was at the start of the year or the year before i don't think there's any more risk in taking a brad lambert where they did relative to any of the other players that were available uh if if there isn't risk associated with you at 30 at 30th in the draft then uh, you're doing something wrong, right? Or you're doing something right and something's gone wrong at the draft. That's that's kind of a, a, a non sequitur. It almost never happens where a, a player is available at 30 who doesn't come with some risk. So I love the bet on Brad Lambert. Uh, he, as you mentioned, he's been around a long time. Uh, really, in this draft class, the two players who've been on the scene the longest are him and Shane Wright. We've been talking about Brad Lambert since he was 14 years old. He signed a Liga contract, believe it or not, when he was 15. So this is a kid that has been playing hockey at a high level and been ahead of his age group and been a top producer playing ahead of his age group for a long, long time. And as a result, I think there was inevitably some sort of nitpicking that happened, a lot like happened with Shane Wright, frankly, and a lot like happened with Jacob Chikrin in his draft year. These kids that are a around a long time that scouts have been watching for years it becomes easy to, when you're extremely familiar with them, it becomes easy to look for faults, look for for new things to question. And it that's different than it is with the shiny new toy who bursts onto the scene and has a big draft year and uh, he, he's sort of lighting it up. And, and Brad just wasn't that kind of a kid. He didn't have that kind of an opportunity in part because of injuries and illness. He was both sick and injured out of the gate and it kind of derailed the start of his season. Then he makes a move from one organization to another, returns to the Pelicans, which is the team he kind of came up with, and things don't go well for him there either. So a little bit of a weird season for him, definitely a disappointing one. He'd be the first to tell you that. He told me that when we spoke in advance of the draft, and I did a sort of extended Q&A with him. And I, I think ultimately with Brad, you're going to have to hit reset. And I think that'll be good for him. By all accounts, I expect that he'll come over here and play for Seattle in the WHL. The Seattle Thunderbirds are expected to push again for a WHL title. They were WHL finalists this year, despite having lost many of their veterans because of guys like potentially Brad Lambert and Kevin Korczynski and Jordan Gustafson. They're still going to be a top team next year. And I think he can put up 100 points in WHL. I think he's capable of that. And that will be a good thing for him just to sort of get his confidence sort of built back up and get him to where he needs to be. Because on skill and skating, uh, those two things in particular grayed out top five in this draft, uh, especially the skating. The skating might be uh, one or two in this draft. So he's got a, a lot to fall back on, and now it's just about sort of rebuilding him. And I think 
the, the Jets are an organization that's well positioned to do that. And I would actually argue that he actually kind of reminds me a little bit of what Nick Ellers looked like uh, in his draft year, just in terms of the way that he skates out there and how he operates and how he's very puck reliant at, at that age. Nick Ellers sort of really needed to have touches to be a good player. So uh, a lot, a lot at play with Brad, but I think ultimately if he puts it all together, he'll be just fine. All right, Scott, listen, quickly before we go, and we just hit the two uh, first-rounders, and as I mentioned, Rucker McGordy is going to join us in just a couple minutes. Uh, give us a quick uh, 411 on their second-round selection, Elias Salmonson and uh, Danny Zilkin, who went in the third round, um, a player that many people had ranked far higher than where uh, the Jets ended up taking him off the board. Yeah, Salmonson's a really interesting player. Salmonson is another player like Brad Lambert that we've been watching for quite some time. Sal Monson was a projected sort of first late first round pick heading into this year. He had played up at the J20 level as a 16 year old and had played quite well, kind of a point per game defenseman at that level. And then from there, everything just kind of didn't fall into place for him this year. It wasn't a sort of picture perfect year. He was good at the junior level, but he wasn't the best defenseman in the league at the J20 level. And then when he played pro, he sort of came and went from the professional ranks and it just didn't really stick for him. So I liked him at 55. Sal Monson's got a really hard point shot. He defends really well. He's been a staple of the Swedish national program. will continue to be involved with them through the world junior program and all of that. Uh, so a very well-rounded sort of impressive player. The decision-making has been a little suspect with him at times. And I think that's ultimately what uh, sort of slipped him out of the late first and into the late second. Uh, but a, a kid with a lot of tools to work with. And then Jilkin's a fascinating one. Another kid who's been around a long time. This was actually his third year of eligibility for the OHL. He's a late 2003 rather than a 2004. So he actually played at last year's U18 Worlds instead of this year's U18 Worlds. Very athletic kid, skates like a professional already, can shoot it and handle it like professional. He got very high grades in my survey of NHL scouts in advance of the draft for his hands and his skating and his shot. He's also a very reliable defensive player. He actually played defense for Guelph a couple of times this season, which speaks to how much trust that they had in him when they were short on D to put him on the back end. Uh, but just a, a pro-built center, not going to be a star, but there's a real good chance, I think, that Danny becomes a second or third line center in the NHL, probably more likely a third line center in the NHL. So all four of those kids, I mean, we talked about Rucker at length and, and I'm a big fan, but Brad, Elias, Danny, uh, all four of those kids, I think, have a real shot. And I think they did well with those four selections. Scott, thanks so much for doing this. We always appreciate you jumping on and um, we'll uh, great to get that sort of info on all the picks. And we're going to uh, talk to the guy that went first off, the, first off the board for Winnipeg right away. Thanks so much for doing this. Have a great summer and uh, we look forward to your next visit to WST. Thanks as always, buddy. Appreciate it. There it is. Scott Wheeler of The Athletic. And uh, we're not going to wait any time. We just talked about the Jets draft selections. And now it's an absolute pleasure for the first time on Winnipeg Sports Talk to welcome the Jets' first pick in the first round, 14th overall, the pride of Lincoln, Nebraska. Rucker McGrory joining us now. Rucker, what's up, man? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk. It's great to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's awesome. I'm the, the, uh, the hat looks good on you. You still got a big smile. I mean, uh, you're still on a high from uh, last Thursday night in Montreal. Yeah, I, I, I thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm still pretty fired up. Uh, I couldn't have gone any better. And yeah, I'm excited. Um, I, you know, I, I want to ask you a little bit more about, you know, your background, um, because you come from a pretty unique uh, hockey market, if you will. But let's first talk about um, the, the, 
time leading up to the draft. Uh, what was it like for you? Combine interviews um, and fill us in on the nerves of what a first round prospect goes through uh, while you're watching a few other guys get picked and not knowing uh, who's going to call your name. Uh, yeah. So uh, I'll start with the combine. The combine was awesome. Uh, it was, it was a fun experience. I mean, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. So uh, just going there and enjoying the moment, seeing that's your first time really being with all the, the top prospects. So uh, that was a lot of fun. And then leading up to the draft, I mean, <clears throat> pretty much all you can do is just train and get ready for next year. And uh, for me, get ready for world junior camp. So, uh, I mean, you, you can't play any more games. You can't impress anybody else. Like, so uh, for me, it was just kind of uh, some nerves leading up to the draft, but then on draft leading up to draft week, I feel like uh, that's when I really just want to enjoy the moment and uh, just, just have exciting feelings towards it. Well, I got to tell you, there is a, a ton of love from Jet fans in the chat right now. For those of you, they all think you look great in that hat. Um, what was it like hearing your name called by Winnipeg? Did you have an inkling that the Jets were interested in you? And uh, what was it like getting up onto that uh, that stage, shaking the hands of Gary Bettman and um, seeing the team that does uh, uh, kind of investing in your future as an NHLer? Uh, first off, thanks, guys. I'm excited to be a part. Uh, I'm excited to be a Jet. Uh, and then... Uh, for me, I, I, I met with uh, Winnipeg, I think it was twice, and uh, we had really good talks, and it was, uh, it was yeah, it was definitely some good talks. And uh, I feel like uh, when I when I heard my name selected by uh, such a great organization, I feel like uh, I kind of just blacked out, and I, I I was just trying not to fall down the stairs. A couple of my teammates uh, hugged me and just said congratulations, and then uh, shaking Gary Bettman's hand was definitely, uh, definitely pretty exciting for me. That was, that was really cool, and then... Uh, the organization, everybody seemed pretty fired up to have me. So, uh, yeah, I was, I'm really excited. Uh, your, uh, your crew was rolling pretty deep in Montreal there. I mean, you mentioned you had some family, 95 others. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, tell us about the rest of the evening. Uh, I'm sure you had a lot of handshakes and high fives and hugs and photos. Uh, was it, uh, was it as fun as it looked, looked like you were having? Uh, yeah, it was definitely, it was definitely a fun time. I mean, having, having all those people there just, uh, shows how many people care for me, and I, I really appreciate them. And uh, that was that was really exciting to uh, hear hear the cheers when I when my name got selected. And uh, yeah, but I I love my family and friends, and I really appreciate them for showing now, up. Now I want to ask a little bit more about them and your hockey background, but uh, just to finish off the Thursday night, um, you were the first of two picks. The Jets took Brad Lambert. You've had some funny interactions with him on social media so far. Um, had you know much about him? Had you played against him before? And uh, um, I'm sure you've got a chance to meet him and talk to him a little bit since you guys both went off the board in the first round for Winnipeg. Um, so a funny story, actually, at the Combine, I felt like I saw Brad maybe 20 times because once, once you're waiting for your interview, like you sit outside of uh, the team's room. So... Uh, I would walk past and I would see Brad and I'd, hey, how you doing? Uh, and then he would walk past me and then and then him and I just started laughing about it. Like, holy, like we keep seeing each other. So uh, so that's kind of where he was like, oh, it's meant to be. Like, that, that's that's what's meant to be. So, yeah. He, uh, um, you know, obviously a very different story. I mean, a guy with some Canadian roots, but he was the Finnish guy that grew up with the Canadian name in Finland. Um, but, I mean, you're from a, a place that, you know, frankly, is not synonymous with hockey. Um, I'm really interested in your story, how you got uh, you got started in the game right now. Fill us in a little bit about your background and the start of your hockey jersey 
journey from Lincoln, Nebraska, of all places. We kind of think of corn and uh, college football, not as much NHL players. Uh, yeah, so I think I commented about this at the draft, but I went to a hockey game when I was three days old. Uh, my Starting them early. Yeah, I was I was born on a Tuesday, and then I went to a playoff hockey game on a Friday. So I was really born into it, but uh, I have no regrets. I, I love the game. and uh, but, but with Nebraska, I feel like uh, that definitely shaped me who I am. Uh, it's just a super down-to-earth, great place. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Winnipeg, just the great people and uh, just a cl- close-knit uh, community. And uh, but I, I feel like uh, I feel like Nebraska. There's only two hockey rinks, and uh, but my dad had the key to the ice rink with him being uh, with him being the head coach of the Lincoln Stars. So I was in the Lincoln Stars locker room from five to nine years old. I felt like I matured a little bit quicker than other five to nine year olds, and. Uh, I was on the ice every day, once, twice a day, with uh, him having the key to the rink. So it was it was definitely a great experience. Uh, and, of course, I mean, you, you played in Michigan and then part of that U.S. national development team. I mean, a great opportunity. I think that program speaks for itself. The number of young men were hearing called in the first round year after year. Um, you also had the honor of being the captain of that team. I mean, let's sit on your time with the, with the U.S. program um, and how you grew to be the captain and the experience that you've already had there before heading off to college. Uh, so NTDP was unbelievable for me. I mean, wearing your country's colors every single day, it's, uh, it's definitely exciting and, uh, you can't take it for granted. Uh, and then being the captain, I feel like, uh, that was definitely showed, shows a lot of respect for my teammates. And I was really happy to wear the C for my team, but for me, it really didn't change anything for me. It's just, uh, just cause I had a letter on my Jersey doesn't mean I have authority over anyone or whatever it is. I just, uh, attack the day every single day with that compete, that energy that I like to bring and, uh, but NTDP going up against uh, NCAA teams, uh, whatever it is, international play, USHL. I feel like I felt like it was a great competition, and uh, I loved every second of it. Now, um, you know, you're obviously uh, planning on heading off to college, which um, you know is a dream of uh, of so many, and in some ways, sort of following in the footsteps of a number of former Jets first rounders that ended up, uh, you know, having that exact <laughs> pro- that path yeah. from the USNBP to uh, to the NCAA. Um, what's next for you right now? The Jets haven't had a development camp. I mean, fill us in on uh, the summer. Are you in the mix? Are you planning on World Juniors, or uh, is uh, college and school calling uh, before then? Uh, so uh, I have World Junior camp coming up in, uh, I think it's 12 days. Uh, so I'm just really trying to get dialed in for that. Uh, and then, uh, so that's just like the summer showcase. It's like the tryout. Um, and then after that, it's just getting ready for Michigan. I, I want to try and make it out to Winnipeg for a weekend, whatever it is, meet the fans, uh, just get in the community. I, I would love that. Uh, but for me this summer, it's just really just in the weight room, hitting it hard, getting, getting faster, getting stronger. Uh, and then on the ice, just uh, working on the little things. Uh, I'd imagine that, uh, you know, with that straight shot up I-29, uh, we might have some of that crew that was in Montreal making their way to Canada Life Center in the future. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You'll, de- you'll definitely see them. I'll probably hear them too. I'm looking forward to it. Hey, listen, for fans, I mean, obviously we've got a chance, you know, over the course of people that watch the draft. I mean, you get to see highlights of players, but it's not like the majority of fans have, you know, watched you play before. I mean, tell us a little bit about what uh, you bring as a player, both on and off the ice as a teammate uh, to the Jets organization, Rucker. Uh, so for me, I feel like I'm a skilled power forward uh, that likes to play both ends of the ice. Uh, I feel like I bring my compete, my energy every single day. Uh, and then I feel like I get a good goal scorer's touch as well. I feel like I can put the puck in the back of the net and I, I make my line mates around me better. And then I feel like in the locker room uh, with me wearing the C, I feel like I'm, I'm a good leader and 
Uh, a big part of that's just that competitiveness, that energy on a on a Monday where no one has really any, any energy. Uh, I'm coming in with a smile on my face. I'm I'm messing around with the guys. I'm just bringing energy into the into the rink. And then uh, in the weight room, I just I I hit it hard. I I, I like to stay quiet in the weight room, but uh, I, I just go in there do do my thing. Um, and I feel like I'm a super approachable guy as well. I feel like if someone's struggling, then come talk to me. I feel like there was a lot of teammates that came to talk to me over the past two years. Uh, and if they're struggling on the ice, off the ice, whatever it is, go golfing with them, eat lunch with them, whatever it is, just help them out. Now, you've also said that uh, you sort of pattern your game after the Kachucks. Now, of course, everyone hates the Kachucks when they're on the other team, but uh, we remember the old man starting here in Winnipeg and scoring 50 for the Jets. Uh, and I think everyone would love to have one of those types of players on their team. Um, uh, do you know those guys well, or were they just sort of the the standard from the program that you just came from and guys that um, you really wanted to, to model yourself after uh, eventually when you get to the pros? Uh, so when I really started to model my game after him was uh, Brady Kachuk, before he signed, he, uh, he practiced with my team for like a month and a half. Uh, and so every single day I'm practicing with him and, I see that compete, that energy, and uh, I feel like he's got really good skill. He can put the puck in the back of the net, and I, I just felt like uh, as I started practicing with him more, I felt like I, I really play with, play like this guy, and uh, I feel like it's someone that I can definitely look up to as a role model and uh, model my game after. Now, um, I believe, did you play with Chaz Lucius as well with the <laughs> under-18 program at one time? Uh, for a little, I got called up at the end of my 17 year, uh, and I, I played with him. Now, of course, he's another first-round pick with the, uh, with the Jets, and like, I don't know, I haven't seen the schedule. I'm not sure how this works, but these Michigan-Minnesota games next year, or uh, whenever you guys do play, are going to be, I mean, incredible from a hockey standpoint with all the talent, but I imagine that Winnipeg Jet fans will be particularly interested because of some of the top picks that will be in those games. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And I, I got a couple of teammates around my team last year, too, that are, uh, that are playing for Minnesota, so I, I feel like those will definitely be some competitive battles. Um, I, have you thought at all? I mean, as far as the, the, the goal, I mean, first things first, you know, hear your name called, it's been done. I mean, the Jets will talk to you about, um, you know, what they're hoping you do going to, uh, I mean, you're looking to get uh, out of school as fast as possible and get into the pros or is it more, uh, I mean, I know it's cliche, but one season at a time, one game at a time and step-by-step step to uh, make yourself the best player you can be. Uh, yeah. So for me, this is a question that I got a lot at the combine. I feel like uh, since the Winnipeg Jets drafted me, I feel like we're going to have great communication. The communication's been great so far as well, just with the development plan, just everything. And uh, so there'll be a lot of communication. I I, I definitely uh, want to stay either one or two years. Um, I feel like that's my main goal is one or two years. Uh, but I feel like we'll have good communication and we'll definitely uh, know when the right time is. Yeah, of course. And Chaz did sign with the Jets last year, so we won't be going head to head. But um, I'm sure folks, especially with the excitement that you've brought to the organization, if you're going to do the same thing and jumped on uh, jumped on next year, uh, it would be a good thing. Hey, just before we go, obviously we're talking a lot about hockey and you know, you're a first-round draft pick and this is a show where we talk about hockey. But I'm interested to know, like, what made you tick off the ice? I mean, when you're not tied up in hockey or training. Um, how do you enjoy yourself? What do you do? And uh, what would fans be interested to know about you that has nothing to do with hockey? Uh, for me, I, I feel like one thing is definitely I uh, I take pride in being a family guy. I feel like I actually moved up to uh, Michigan when I was 10 years old to uh, to play for Detroit Honeybake. So I was up here for seven or eight months out of the year. And 
I moved up with my dad and my mom and sister stayed in Nebraska. So uh, I feel like we definitely missed out on a lot of family time. And with my family officially moving up at the beginning of my U17 year, we just uh, really cherish our family time and uh, love if it's family game night or watching a movie on the couch, whatever it is. I, I like hanging out with them. And then uh, besides that, I feel like I just I just love getting out. I love hanging out with people. I uh, yeah, I just love being around people. And I yeah, that that's what makes me click. Uh, you get to Cornhuskers games. Did you kind of grow up with the red and white of Nebraska? Uh, yeah, Memorial Stadium. It's definitely uh, one of a kind. And uh, I love going to those uh, those Cornhusker games. And yeah, it was definitely an exciting time. That being said, the Mason Blue in the big house knows how to put on a football game as well. I mean, how excited you are just for being a young man, moving on from where you're to this next level of, uh, you know, no matter how long at this point the NCAA experience is, uh, I imagine probably some butterflies, but a lot of uh, real genuine excitement to get out there and be a part of a historic program. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely fired up. Uh, that's, that's also one of the reasons why I picked Michigan. I feel like it's such a historic program, and you see how many NHLers that they've produced over the years, and uh, they just know how to coach those type of guys. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited. I feel like we got a good competitive bunch going in. Um, hey, it just, uh, you know, as far as the Jets go, I mean, we mentioned that there's no development camp this year. It's a, a little bit of a wrinkle as opposed to previous years, but I think it has to do with the number of factors, number of picks, guys that are planning on going to camps like you. Like you. Um, have you talked to, is it Jimmy Roy? Is it Mike Keen so far? I mean, the development group. I and mean, tell us a little bit about just the interaction from the guys in player development and uh, what they've had to say to you and uh, kind of what that plan is for you under the guidance of the Jets on your way to Michigan. Uh, yeah, so I actually I talked to both of them. Um, I actually right after the draft we we started talking about a uh, plan, and uh, right now it's just getting ready. Just keep keep going, keep doing what I'm doing. I'm on the right path, and uh, actually everyone in the Jets organization is extremely helpful, and uh, it's been great talking to every single one of them. I feel like uh, we both are just really excited, and I feel like my development being at the University of Michigan it's going to keep getting better and better and better. So. Uh, yeah, we're both really excited. Hey, um, it, one of the other things that you had mentioned when you got drafted, I mean, when you were talking about as a player, the one thing you're looking to continually improve is the skating. I don't think you could have hit a bigger home run with your skating coach and Barb Underhill. <laughs> How did that come together? And, and what's it been like? How's it helped you? Uh, yeah, so Barb, uh, her and I have a really good relationship. And uh, we, I think we both enjoy working with each other. And uh, she sees a lot of potential in my skating. So Actually, my agency, CAA, uh, they, Jim Hughes is a part of CAA, and he's really good friends with Barb Underhill. So uh, he was like, hey, I, I need a favor, and I, I want you to work with this kid. And so uh, from the very first time we were on the ice together, we, we definitely had the right, right connection and uh, right emotions of getting my skating better. And so uh, her and I are really hitting it hard, and uh, we, we can't wait to see where it is in a couple of years. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, you got, I'm just telling you from the comments here in the chat, we have not had someone that's uh, sort of brought the energy and energized this fan base for a while like yourself. Uh, there is, uh, I mean, tons of excitement about what you can do. And uh, I think also not just bringing what you bring on the ice, but also uh, the personality. Um, it'll be a great addition to not just the hockey team and the dressing room, but I think the sports community here and a team that absolutely loves and lives and breathes the Winnipeg Jets. So, if you wanted a hockey market, my friend, you're coming to it. And uh, I know people will be paying close attention to you throughout this summer and next season. And uh, we just wish you all the best. And this has been a lot of fun talking to you. Hopefully you can have you on uh, as well quite often in the future as you uh, get closer to starting and hopefully have a long, prosperous career right here in the peg. 
Perfect. Thank you, guys. It, it means a lot. I'm I'm super excited to be be a part of the Jets organization. Have a great rest of the summer, Rucker, and uh, we'll uh, always have an open spot for you on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Have a great one. Thank you. It means a lot. Thank you. Duty. There it is. Jets first round pick Rucker McGrory joining us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. What a breath of fresh air that young man is. And uh, just seeing all of these comments in the chat right now. I mean, for everyone that's with us on uh, for everyone that's with us live. I mean, this is exactly the sort of excitement that I think a lot of people felt, even though if they weren't sure about the player that the Jets selected in the first round and uh he certainly came as advertised. That is a lot of energy and a lot of positivity. And that's, I think, exactly what, um, you know, he uh, brings to this team and organization whenever he gets here. Um, I can tell you in that locker room and off the ice, he'll be a great addition. And uh, if he can be a half the player that he seems to be as a person, the Jets got a real good one. Big thanks to Rucker McGrory joining us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right, Mike McIntyre is going to jump on in just a second with us. Uh, before we do that, one guy that doesn't need a battery, it seems, is Rucker McGrory. <laughs> Everybody else, though, Donnie and the gang at Manitoba Battery have you covered. Uh, they are, of course, of course, the home of the $99 Deep Cycle Battery and the place where, regardless of what battery you're looking for, the place where you'll get the best price in town, you'll shop local, and you'll save big money. Don't waste your time at Canadian Tire Costco or the big box stores. Donnie's got the best trained staff with the best products at the best prices in town. Pop on down and learn more at Manitoba Battery or go visit the team in the coolest jet blue building in Winnipeg at 1026 Logan Avenue. Open 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. daily. Uh, I will say this. Royal Sports, of course, is the capital for uh, all of your favorite merchandise for your favorite team. An incredible selection of Winnipeg Jets gear. And I can tell you one thing from reading the chat right now after Rucker McCordy just joined us, there will be a run on McCordy jerseys once people find out what number he is for the Winnipeg Jets when he finally gets here. Uh, but whatever you need when it comes to merch, Royals got you covered. And of course, uh, when it comes to dominating summer, bikes, soccer, softball, baseball, and so much more, the biggest hockey section in town, and cool stuff like tennis and disc golf, Royal Sports is the spot. 750 Pemina Highway. And make sure to follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Uh, big shout out to our friends at Not Auto Corp. Of course, if you're looking for a new vehicle before you do anything, pop on down to Waverly and McGilvery and check out the amazing vehicles they've got on the lot. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? Um, they've got it all. And if you are thinking about electric, a number of Teslas, they've been the Tesla leader in Winnipeg for a number of years. Got a great program to teach you everything you need to know about a potential switch to electric with the Tesla program, uh, Tesla experience program. Find out more online at not.ca or down at Waverly and McGilvery. And, uh, Hey, we had a lot of fun talking about the vanilla of the blue bombers. I know many of you probably pop by Nick and Nikki DQ, no better spot to get vanilla soft serve than DQ. And of course you can mix in all those tasty treats to make an amazing blizzard. My personal favorite right now, the Reese's pieces cookie dough blizzard. You heard that right now. They're for a limited time option, limited time only. And while you're at it, check out those amazing stack burgers as well. Nick and Nikki DQ, DQ Northgate, DQ Niverville, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's, all three Winnipeg locations available on your delivery apps and hit them up online at DQ Manitoba for 
custom-made cakes for your next event. All right, let's get Mike McIntyre in here. This has been a really fast-paced show. Great stuff with Greg Wyshynski, Scott Wheeler on the draft, Rucker McGrory, and now our cleanup hitter, Mike McIntyre, coming out of the on-deck circle to join us now. What's going on, boss? How are you? I'm doing well, just getting warmed up here, getting the swing. Well, it's uh, a swing for the fences. You got a tough act to follow after uh, Rucker McGrory just joined us. What a breath of fresh air he is. Yeah, it's like hitting fourth uh, after like Vlad Jr. in the Jays lineup because that's a pretty good that's a pretty good three spot that you had. Uh, I got to meet Rucker last week, of course, in Montreal, and he just uh, well, he impresses immediately uh the the personality kind of jumps off the page and you can see why this is a guy Huss who's been I believe it's five different teams that he's been the captain of he's basically been the captain of like every hockey team he's played for because he just oozes leadership and you know you can see knowing what we know about the Jets and True North and you know the type that they have you can see why a Rucker McGrory probably shot up their list uh, once they interviewed him at the at the combine and combine that with the way he plays and Jets fans should love the fact that he uh, he models his game after the Kachuk brothers. Uh, the Jets would love to have a Kachuk type in their lineup and they just might get that in a couple of years. Uh, so yeah, great, great kid, great character and uh, Glad your audience got to uh, get introduced to him as well. You know, uh, we often say that the Jets are looking at best player available, like most teams. It's a talent. I mean, it's a crapshoot. These guys are young. Um, But I will offer that the Jets were absolutely drafting for need in getting a player like that because every team needs that sort of energy and spirit, not to mention the package that he brings on the ice. And it's pretty easy to imagine the sort of player and what he'll bring whenever he ends up making the jump to the National Hockey League. For sure, Huss. And, you know, Jets would never admit this or or tell us. I got to think that they probably had a list. And I'm guessing like Connor Geeky would have been on that list because he plays that way as well, a big body, that physical element as well. And obviously Geeky went a couple picks earlier, um, but I got to think, you know, so Rucker McGrory may not have been the, the choice if, if say Geeky was still available, but I got to think he was close to the next best choice and they're going to be pretty happy with, uh, with plan B. They've had to do that a lot this summer, haven't they? Uh, they did that on the coaching front. And uh, I know the organization um, certainly is happy to have Rick Bonus in the fold. Um, so, yeah, Rucker McGrory, the type of player he is, is something the Jets certainly need. When you look at their last couple first-rounders, you know, Cole Perfetti, Chaz Lucius, um, different kind of players than a Rucker McGrory. And so I think, you know, when you look, and, and even what they got in Brad Lambert as the second first-round pick, the Jets have added some really interesting elements to their prospect pool uh, and that's what you want right you want some variety and the hope is that you know in a couple of years from now when some of these kids hopefully pan out you have that variety that that is you know what you want when you're trying to put together a winning lineup uh mike you know as i said we spent quite a bit of time talking about the uh, new young men especially in uh, mcgrody and lambert that are joining the organization as far as the picks the other thing that i think many of us myself included thought might happen last week that didn't was trades involving potentially captain blake wheeler who's been rumored quite a bit 
or somebody from the defense corps. Um, do you hearing, do you think that they were at all close to that or has much of the work been done on that and, you know, takers on potentially some of the players on the Jets roster will be um, more concrete or we'll see the way things go in the aftermath of tomorrow as far as who gets what they want on the open market and who's left holding the bag. Yeah, I mean, the draft was kind of an artificial deadline, I think, for a lot of us when we looked at it because the assumption is um, if the Jets were going to have to throw in, say, a sweetener when it came to Blake Wheeler, that a draft pick last week may have been part of that. Obviously, that ship has now sailed. But it's not like they only hold one draft and, and then never again. There's another draft next year. So potential sweetener could still be there for a move like that. I don't, I'm not as surprised, Huss, because the Jets, the Jets would not have been looking for draft picks back. Um, so I don't know that the draft was as crucial a date. I just think that it was a time when all the GMs were in the same building. There's a lot of networking. There's a lot of talk going on. And it just seemed to line up. But I think we we maybe didn't see as many deals as we thought we might have last week. There were a few, for sure, some cap-saving moves. Um, I do wonder, in these next 18 hours or so, or 20 hours before free agency starts, if we might see a last-minute rush. And that could include, here in Winnipeg, as teams scramble to kind of assess what they have, what they need, and most importantly, how much they have to spend. And so I am a bit surprised that as we sit here, and again, things could change quickly, as we sit here on Tuesday afternoon, that the Jets have not cleared a single penny of cap space, whether that's Blake Wheeler, Brendan Dillon, he was certainly a name that was being talked about a lot at the draft last week. Um, you know, if you're moving Pierre-Luc Dubois, I know we'll get to that in a minute, that's not a cap-related move. That's a move for completely different reasons that would be happening Certainly, though, Wheeler, Dylan, those are the two names that I think have come up the most. And, you know, you'd clear if you move both those guys, depending on whether you're retaining salary. But that's potentially, you know, 11 million plus in salary that would give you some flexibility tomorrow when the market opens uh, to potentially do some other things. Hey, by the way, I've just seen a stat from analytics guru Michael Remus uh, that about half the folks that are with us right now aren't subscribed. Folks, what are you waiting for? It's completely free. Hit that red subscribe button. We are just about at 7,700. We'd love to get there today, and it certainly helps us spread the channel. And the great news for you is you just go to YouTube. Our latest content is there for you, ready to go, and hit that thumbs up while you're at it as well. Um, well, Mike, uh, you mentioned Pierre-Luc Dubois, and it's sort of been really interesting. I mean, if we went back and listened to our conversations week by week, the ups and downs on people that were expected to be gone, people that we thought would be staying, how that's changed. I mean, I really do feel that, you know, maybe the comeback with Mark Shifley and running it back has a lot to do with the very uncertain status of Pierre-Luc Dubois. Right. Uh, what do you make of that? And I mean, how do you think things look with both of those guys coming back and presumably the core of this team, for the most part, potentially minus Blake Wheeler, coming back under Rick Bonus for next season? Yeah, so it's interesting that there there's certainly some PLD talk heating up today. Uh, now, there was a lot of talk in Montreal last week as well. And I, I would suggest, Huss, the origin for the PLD talk is coming from the same place as it did last week. That's largely from... Montreal. There's no question 
a lot of Montreal Canadian fans, and I would suspect media, because it's a great story, would love to see a guy like PLD uh, in Montreal. Um, so I'm not saying to take it with a grain of salt. I just think that, you know, there's perhaps some extra motivation behind some of these rumors going on right now and where they're coming from. That being said, there's there's a couple of things that have happened here recently that lead me now more than ever to think that PLD's time with the Jets is fleeting. Number one was the admission from Kevin Cheveldayoff last week that they interviewed John Tortorella. Uh, that was the first kind of flashing red light that went off for me that, you know, even if they didn't think that they were going to hire John Tortorella, the fact that he was among the candidates, again, we know the history of of torts and PLD in Columbus. And then something that just happened yesterday, Haas, and again, these are small things, but they add up. Evgeny Svechnikov, we know, is quite close with Pierre-Luc Dubois. In fact, those guys were on a line together at times last year, and I would argue, I don't think it's much of an argument, Evgeny Svechnikov's most effective play last year was when he was with Dubois and Kyle Connor. Then for reasons kind of, it didn't make a whole lot of sense, Paul Maurice breaks those guys up. Um, Dave Lowry went back to it a little bit, but not a whole lot. We know they were junior teammates, they're friends. Genny Svechnikov wasn't even qualified yesterday. He's likely a goner. I mean, I guess they could always circle back to him. I don't expect that, given that the qualifying offer would have only been a very small bump from his minimum salary if they're circling back to him, I mean, what's what price are they coming? Are they well, really? Why do you nick- think? Why do you think they didn't do that? I mean, we talked about it yesterday, and I'll be a bit on this. And I'm certainly not president to the Svech fan club. I thought he, I think I thought we saw the law of diminishing returns through the year, yeah. and I thought he was a frustrating player at times with you know some discipline issues on the ice. He certainly seemed to be a well liked teammate, though. Yes. Um, and the bottom line is, for a team like Winnipeg, you don't often see them just walk away from a guy that was essentially found money last year. Uh, many people will say this is a sign, we've seen it around the league, of just how much of a squeeze there is on that lower tier of player right now in the National Hockey League. But um, what was your reaction when you found it, and have you made sense of it yet? Well, and again, like lower tier, but his qualifying offer would have been $900,000. So you still have to replace him in the lineup. Even if you're replacing him with a guy on an ELC, like the savings is almost nothing. Yeah. Um, and you're right. He was found money. The team still had control over him. Yes, he's streaky. He's inconsistent. Um, he can be frustrating. But this is a guy that was still a first-round draft pick. There's something there. And I think the team at times last year was able to tap into that. I'm with you. I was shocked that they are willing to just walk away from that, especially Haas when this was a guy – okay, maybe they're not selling a ton of Svechnikov jerseys, but he was a hit. Look at the look at the social media stuff they did where they mic'd him up a couple games. I mean, th- those clips went viral. There was some really good PR that the Jets got out of Evgeny Svechnikov. And for a team that, look, they, they need some help in that department at times, um, you know, he, he seemed to be a breath of fresh air. And I'm surprised. I mean, we obviously haven't got to talk to Kevin Cheveldayoff since this decision was made. We'll talk to him presumably tomorrow afternoon. Um, that's the plan. And that will be one of the first questions is what, 
what's going on? Why, why, you know, why did you decide to go other ways? Especially us. It's not like the Jets are absolutely loaded in forward depth right now. Um, they lost Andrew Kopp at the trade deadline. Christian Veselainen signed in Sweden. Paul Stasny's probably signing with another team tomorrow. And then if you go down the list of additional depth, guys that played some games last year, Austin Pagansky, Adam Brooks, CJ Cease, they're all UFAs. And I get that those aren't players that are moving the needle, but they're still bodies that you're going to have to replace. And again, they had a guy in Svechnikov at a minimal cost who at times was productive. It, it, it really is a surprising move. And I don't have an explanation for it. I'm curious to hear what Kevin Chevalayoff would say. Well, the one thing that I will say is that, you know, with every dollar being so key and every roster position be so key, I mean, I don't believe that they look at Evgeny Svechnikov and think of him as a top six player. And the facts are the facts. The Jets' bottom six last year wasn't good enough. Right. And, I mean, when I do look at that move, the more I think about it over the course of last night into today – um, I think that they're probably identifying a number of different players potentially tomorrow and through free agency to come in to fill out that bottom six that are maybe playing a significantly different style of hockey than Evgeny Svechnikov, and that could be the case, which I guess brings us to tomorrow, um, and we'll do that. By the way, I should read this for the podcast, folks, because I know Remo did a good job of putting it up, but this report on Dubois that we're talking about is from Martin LeClaire, who's with Radio Canada in Quebec, um, and I'll just read the Google translation. I'm told the Habs are still working with the Winnipeg Jets with the goal of closing a deal that would bring Pierre-Luc Dubois to Montreal in the long run. The talks almost paid off in the draft last week. Um, just going to try and see if we've got this second one here. Um, let's see here. Uh, it said, with a center line consisting of Dubois, Suzuki, Doc, and Evans, the rebuild could be quicker than expected. Um we thought at all about what a potential Dubois deal would look like with the Montreal Canadiens. And if they made that deal this off season, um, what does that do to the squad on the ice going into October under Rick bonus? Yeah, that's good looking center depth, but if I'm the jets, I'm asking for Nick Suzuki back for Pierre-Luc Dubois. I mean, what is Montreal giving up? And I, I haven't really, I've seen some suggestions and they basically want to throw in all their, you know, Brendan Gallagher and um, you know, like, the Jets, again, this is a Jets team that is likely going to be spending to the cap ceiling, um, has Connor Hellebuck for two more years, Mark Shifley for two more years, Blake Wheeler for two more years if he's not moved. They're in win-now mode. They didn't hire a 68-year-old coach in Rick Bonus to oversee a rebuild. If they were going to do that, if they were going to tear down and start over, they would have hired Pascal Vincent or somebody else. They're not bringing Rick Bonus in with the idea of a long, slow rebuild. So if you're trading Pierre-Luc Dubois, your 24-year-old center, who is under team control for two more years, what are you getting back from Montreal that is helping you win today? Because that has to be priority one for the Jets. Um, because again, the, the, the cap savings on Dubois this year, it's not like it's going to free up a ton of cash that would then allow you to maybe do something tomorrow to fill that spot. There's not a lot of Pierre-Luc Dubois out on the open market. And if there were, you're getting into a bidding war with all kinds of other teams for them tomorrow. So, you know, I, I again, I, I go back to the Dubois rumors and, well, there might, it might make sense on some levels. 
to me, the return would be key because if you're the Jets, you're not just asking for a first round pick next year and a really good young prospect. At least I don't think you are. And if you are, that almost would signal an about face to me about what this team is trying to do. And it would go contrary to everything we've heard and seen to date. I suppose they couldn't pivot. But um, it, it's an interesting situation to watch for sure. Well, okay, so that brings us to tomorrow. Um, uh, what, what are you? What intrigues you about the Jets situation, the cap space that they have, the holes on the roster, and of course the potential exodus of a captain Blake Wheeler or a member of the blue line, and how that might tie into who's getting a call from Chevy at noon? Yeah, you know, so I was doing some math today, and they they didn't tell you in journalism school that math was an essential part of of the job, but you know, just playing around with some numbers today, Huss, it strikes me that if you kind of hone in on what the Jets roster today looks like, and let's just assume for a moment that they don't make any additions. Now, that's that's not going to happen. But just to go with what they have right now, the Jets have about $68 million currently tied up on 18 skaters by my count. And that doesn't include the four RFAs that got qualifying offers yesterday that I would pencil into the lineup, Dubois, Harkins, Appleton, Gustafson. If you add those four, even if they accepted their qualifying offers, which they're not going to, certainly Dubois isn't, he's going to get more than his qualifying offer. But even if you just took the number of their qualifying offer, that's about another $9 million. That brings the Jets up to somewhere in the range of $77 million, and it's an $82.5 million cap. So we go back to Dylan, Wheeler, and being a bit puzzled that they haven't moved any of those guys yet to create some more flexibility because they don't have a ton. Now, again, if we're going with those numbers, they've kind of got a full roster of in terms of just sheer numbers. But is it a quality roster? This is a team that wasn't good enough last year, wasn't even close to good enough. And now we're talking about losing some other pieces off a roster that wasn't good enough. Stasny being one of them. Um, Eric Comrie. We haven't talked about Eric Carr. The Jets don't have a backup goalie right now who's played a single NHL game. Mikel Burden would be the backup as of today. I do expect, uh, I'd be surprised if the Jets don't re-sign Eric Comrie. It's probably not going to happen before 11 a.m. on Wednesday um, because I think he's smart to kind of see what else might be out there in a thin market. But I do think there's a, a long-standing relationship, and maybe it means the Jets have to pay a little bit more than they wanted to. But I would be surprised if Eric Comrie isn't back. But if it's not Comrie, they got to go shell out money for some other backup goalie. And I suspect they want someone with some NHL experience. And again, there's not a big market out there. So when I'm looking at tomorrow, Huss, two things. Certainly the backup goalie position, because I think that's an important one. And shoring up the forwards. The blue line, I wouldn't expect any ads on the blue line, except maybe at a minor league level. Um, because again, when we're looking at what the Jets have right now, they almost have too many NHL level or NHL ready defensemen. I don't think they're necessarily adding to that. But certainly on the forward end, um, they're going to be looking at some additions for sure. I don't expect they're going to be in on Evgeny Malkin or Johnny Gaudreau or even Nazem Kadri. But I think there's a secondary tier out there, you know, whether it's Vincent Trocek, uh, Andre Burakowski, even a guy like David Perron, um, you know, the Stroms, Ryan Strom, Dylan Strom. There's some interesting what names. What about that- Andrew Kopp? 
Like, is that is is that a, a pipe dream? I mean, it doesn't sound like he's getting a deal with the Rangers and he will be right. going to unrestricted free agency. I mean, we were sort of having some fun talking about that earlier on. It, I do expect there would even be a call made on that. Um, he was listen, he's the sort of a player that could really help this team. I think everyone would agree about that. Imagine Huss, you could give Chevy the a GM of the year award if he turns two months of loaning Andrew Cobb to the Rangers into Morgan Barron, Brad Lambert, and Elias Salmonson. Those three process, and then they get caught back and sign him to a long-term deal. I, I don't think it's going to happen, but what a story it would be if, <laughs> if it did. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Andrew Kopp ends up in Detroit, uh, if I'm the Red Wings. I mean, they seem to be trying to accelerate what they're doing in Detroit. They got a lot of obviously really good young players. Um, Andrew they're Kopp, the betting favorite to get Kadri right now. Kadri's plus 150, and the bookies know what's up. Uh, them and the Rangers in that position. I think part of the reason why he's got that number at the Rangers is the fact that it does seem like Cop and Strom right. are both going to market, and it was sort of positioned as a one or the Either other or throughout one. the playoffs in that team. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, the Red Wings were to add Nazem Kadri and Andrew Cop suddenly to a, a really nice young group, and they just hired a, a very uh, promising new head coach. Um, they would certainly be a team heading in the right direction. So I, I'd be surprised if Andrew Kopp comes back here. I, I believe that ship has sailed, um, but it would be a heck of a story for sure. I mean, I think either way, to me, Hus, this actually, and yeah, I was critical at times of, of the fact that Jets weren't able to lock Andrew Kopp up long-term. I think though now seeing kind of the whole trade play out, and if Andrew Kopp isn't signing long-term in New York, uh, that Kevin Shoveldayoff did a pretty, pretty good job of what he was able to get back for what ultimately was a, a two-month rental. No doubt about that. Back to Comrie for a minute. Um, you know, for a guy that a lot of people had written off before we even started last season, I mean, it's been well documented on this program how he played when he had the opportunity and I think did nothing but help his stock both here and around the National Hockey League. I'll tell you what, I don't think he could be hitting the market at a better time right now. When you look at the goaltending sweepstakes around the league and the lack of supply and the height of demand in the market right now, Mike, I mean, I think he's due for a pretty nice raise regardless of whether the Jets have to give it to him or he goes elsewhere. And I guess the one other thing that the Jets can't offer him that some other places will is a more realistic opportunity to play a lot because let's face it, Connor Hellebuck is the guy in Winnipeg and will be here until someone else has his rights. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I don't think we anticipated the words Eric Comrie sweepstakes, <laughs> um, you know, when, when I certainly if you go back a year ago and yet, you know, here we are and there very well could be a sweepstakes surrounding um, you know, Eric Comrie, you know, I'm, I'm just looking here at, at the goaltenders that are on the market, obviously Darcy Kemper, Jack Campbell, they kind of lead the way Ilya Samsonov is another one. But after that, Huss, after Kemper, Campbell and Samsonov, there's only one other goalie on the UFA market. And that's Martin Jones, who had more wins than Eric Comrie's 10. And Martin Jones was basically a starter as were those other guys like Eric Comrie had 10 wins last year playing in the shadow of workhorse Connor Hellebuck. Um, he's going to get paid. 
and I'm not saying he's, he's not getting three million, but he's certainly getting a lot more than than an entry level or a, a, a league minimum kind of deal, which I'm sure the Jets were kind of hoping. I mean, that's what they signed him to last year because they didn't have any cap space. Um, and then he turned out to be a lot better than maybe anybody anticipated, which is certainly driving his price up. So, like I said, I, I do expect that the Jets probably get Eric Comrie back, albeit at a higher ticket than they were willing to pay or than they were planning to pay. Um, but I think given what the other options are out there, a lot of guys that are washed up, um, you know, career minor leaguers, whatever, like I just think Eric Comrie, and, and there's a lot to it. We know the relationship he has with Connor Hellebuck. They share the same agent. They share the same trainer. Um, you know, Eric Comrie was drafted and developed. He keeps finding a way back to this organization. I just, I'd be surprised if if he's a goner, but um, who knows? Money may talk and money may may mean that, that uh, the Jets simply can't match a price that is offered to him. Uh, Mike, when we look at tomorrow, I mean, do you expect a quiet day for the Winnipeg Jets? Do you think they make moves or is everything predicated on first moving some salary and a player or two from that roster from last season before anything else happens? Yeah, so I think, I, I don't think there's a whole lot of middle ground here, Huss. I think it's either going to be a really quiet day or a really newsworthy day. And I'll include kind of the rest of today in that as well, because I think if, if we're talking about a really busy day, it's probably going to mean that some things have to happen before the day officially gets underway. If 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 the Jets don't make any trades to clear up any cap space, then I'm not expecting anything earth-shattering or needle-moving um, because they really don't have the flexibility to do that. Um so I think it's it's either kind of go big or go home is is the way, you know, no middle ground. And this look, this has been touted as an all-important offseason for the Jets for a number of reasons. I think Huss, it wouldn't be inaccurate to say that it's been kind of underwhelming so far. Um, they didn't get the 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 coach they were going after. And yes, that's no fault of their own. Not like Barry Trotz chose another team over them. He's not coaching anywhere. But, you know, they took a big swing and they missed. Uh, there was a lot of hype going into the draft last week that they might do something. They didn't. Yeah, they picked seven players. A bunch of them look really promising. Newsflash, they're not helping the team win next year or probably even the year after. They're a few years away. So in the here and now... The Jets are no better today. In fact, you could make the argument they're worse today than they were when the season ended because of what, what's now going out the door. Losing Paul Stasny and Eric Comrie, if that's who leaves tomorrow to go to other teams, well, they're, the Jets are worse. Now, what are they going to do to fill those spots? Obviously, remains to be seen. But I, I just think the pressure should be on this organization to go big. And right now, they haven't done anything that would give you the suggestion that they're leaning in that direction. But there is still time, albeit it's fleeting. What does Kevin Chevaldeoff do if it becomes too difficult to find a spot to trade break Blake Wheeler? It certainly sounds like Shifley's coming back. I mean, can they yeah. can they bring this team back essentially as was under Rick Bonus and expect to truly have a new atmosphere, a new outlook, a new attitude, and a new feeling around the team? I would say they shouldn't, but they absolutely could. And, and I'll give you one reason, Huss. 
something they actually brought up a few times last year, the Calgary Flame, Daryl Sutter effect. Um, the Jets will probably look to what the Flames did last year versus the year prior and say, yeah, we, we, believe we, we believed we had a good team last year and we severely underperformed. Um, but with a new coach and a new approach and a clean slate, yeah, we could try and run this back. Um, as I say, it wouldn't be my way of, of advising them how to go. I don't know if the fans are really going to buy it. Um, as well, Haas, schedule came out last week. I know you looked at it as much as I did. Jets have a really tough first month next next season. Uh, that That's a tough, like really tough first nine games, six of them on the road, playing a bunch of really good teams, you know, right off the hop. Um, so if the idea is, yeah, let's run it back and get the good fly- vibes going with a great start to the season – uh, you know, they're in tough for sure. And I just think that, you know, that could blow up in their faces if that's what the plan is. Um, but, you know, again, the with the Wheeler contract, and that's the one we've, we've focused on a lot, it's not an easy contract to move. And I'm sure the Jets have balanced the risk reward and how much salary would they be willing to retain? And at what point, you know, if they're retaining X amount of salary, does it actually become prohibitive to move him? Are they better off just keeping him, given that they'd still need to replace him in the top nine? And, you know, just a lot of things that would have to be factored. Uh, this, I, I suspect this has been a very stressful few weeks for the organization, <laughs> and uh, it's not getting any easier, is it? Uh, no, it, it's not. And as I said, so much we'll figure out tomorrow as to what the landscape looks like in 48 hours from now and what yeah. that might mean for player movement. If they can't get something done and Blake Wheeler, because the bottom line is the guy can still play and he does do a lot of things that it can help you win games. Um, do they have a different captain next year? Do they have a captain next year? I mean, what would happen if they brought the group back together? I mean, uh, that to me is fascinating because we've heard so much about the leadership group and right. the sort of tiers of the team. I mean, that is something I don't think anybody, including people inside the organization, want to repeat itself. I do wonder how they would handle that if all of that group that went through that we heard saying what they were saying at the end of the season is right back in the dressing room together at the beginning of next year, albeit with a new guy behind the bench. Right. And, you know, so there was a time when we thought maybe Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley would both be gone and Pierre-Luc Dubois would be the captain in waiting. Now it's actually plot twist. It might be Pierre-Luc Dubois who's gone and Wheeler and Shifley are back. And one of them wears the C in Wheeler and one of them wears the A, you know, one of two A's in Shifley. I think a lot of people thought after that display from Mark Shifley publicly that you know, there would have to be a change in terms of the the assist, the, the alternate captaincy. Um, I'd love to know what Rick Bonus thinks. Uh, we know we had a conversation with Shifley and he reached out to Blake Wheeler as well. Has Blake called back yet? Yeah, well, that's a good question. Uh, it was just at a, he, he, did he leave him on read uh, on, on the text? Uh, hopefully he did get back and they had that conversation, but you're you're right. I mean, that's, an, that's another question that, has to be addressed here if if it's going to be the same leadership group is that just the definition of insanity you know doing the same thing over again and expecting a different result well, well let me ask you this mike because i mean i think we know it probably wouldn't go over great with the fan base who is expecting for obvious reasons right. um you know something to change 
But never mind the fans. How do you think that goes over with the rest of the Winnipeg Jets that are returning that went through what this team did last season? Well, I mean, if they get rid of one of the guys that I suspect wouldn't be very happy with that in Pierre-Luc Dubois, I guess that's one less guy to worry about who might have a differing view. Dubois was one of the most frustrated players by the end of the season. So too was Paul Stasny, us. And he looks like he's gone as well, right? So what are you left with? I guess Nikolai Ehlers and Kyle Connor, they were two other guys along with Dubois and Stasny, who I would say were the most vocal about issues with the team and not playing the right way. In Ehlers' case, though, I, I'll say this, Huss, he seemed to point a lot of the finger at himself, almost comically so, where he was blaming himself. He always himself. does that. He always yeah, he was, does that. He, he was blaming blames, himself yeah. you know, for everything from, from the play on the ice to global warming. Um, you know, Nikolai Ehlers was taking responsibility for it. But, yeah, I, I suppose, you know, if, um, if that's one of the ways the team is dealing with what might have been a fractured room is to move out some of the pieces that weren't happy with some of the other pieces. I mean, you can make the argument that they moved the wrong pieces out, I suppose, and it's just going to continue to rear its ugly yeah, head. Yeah, I'll make the argument that they did that in 2020 and that brought Dubois here in the first place, but that's another conversation. Good point for sure. And and it it, it does seem to be a, um, a, a theme to do to a degree with this organization, doesn't it? Um, Rick Bonus has his work cut out for him on a number of levels, including, you know, whatever roster he ends up having, what it looks like today, what it looks like in two days from now, what it looks like in September at training camp, getting these guys to be united, to all pull in the same direction when it's clear they weren't doing that last year. That's going to be a challenge. And I would suggest it's going to be an even bigger challenge, Huss, if the bulk of the roster looks exactly the same as it did last year. Mike McIntyre, the Winnipeg Free Press, with us here on a packed edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, Mike, I know tomorrow's going to be a very interesting day. We're going to actually do an extended show tomorrow, so if you want to jump on with an update at some point, we would love to have you. But uh, fill us in on what you and the Free Press team has ready for tomorrow. Yeah, so I'll have an extensive preview, uh, including a whole bunch of names, some of which I've mentioned today, some that I haven't yet, on on where the Jets might uh might go shopping where they might dip their toes into the, the free agent uh, waters. And then myself and Jeff Hamilton will be on site uh, down at Canada Life Centre uh, all day tomorrow. And uh, for what could be uh, a very newsy day, hopefully we're not like the Maytag repairman. I remember those commercials where he just kind of sits around twiddling his thumbs with nothing to do. Uh, hopefully we have lots to write and a pine about tomorrow as opposed to nothing. And I suppose if nothing happens, that will give me a lot to opine about if the team essentially does nothing, but yeah, so we'll be all over that and then um, see what this team looks like in 48 hours. Could be a lot different or maybe not. Well, I know there's always a lot of room for you in the free press and we've always got a spot for you to opine here with us on Winnipeg sports talk. Mike, thanks so much for doing this. And, uh, We'll look forward to catching up in the next few days on what should be a very interesting uh, period, uh, one way or the other, for the Jets, not to mention the entire National Hockey League. Indeed, yeah, looking forward to it. Haas, enjoy. Thanks for this. Mike McIntyre with us today here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right. Um, hey, big shout-out to Zach Caleros and Dalton Schoen, who were uh, stars of the week in the Canadian Football League after that beatdown of the BC Lions on Saturday the countdown is on to Friday's game. 
Um, we're going to have some tickets to give away over the next couple days for Friday night. And make sure you head out and check out the Princess Auto tailgate before the game, beginning at 530. Uh, you've got cheap beers, hot dogs, pop, DJ finesse, spinning, prizes from the Princess Auto gang. It really is the place to be before the game. So make sure to check that out. And, of course, check out Princess Auto, great sponsors of ours, the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two locations in Winnipeg, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, and you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Hey, I meant to mention this yesterday, uh, but a big congratulations to... Uh, 15-year-old Jen LaFleche of Clear Lake, who won the Diamond Athletic Women's Amateur Championship at Granite Hills over the course of the weekend. And a big congratulations to Breezy Ben's own Ryan Scholdice, who won a two-stroke victory in the men's mid-am with a total of 224. Of course, Breezy Ben, incredibly uh, proud of uh, all of their players competing on the provincial level. If you're thinking about a great home for your family, on the course, talk to Corey Johnson at Breezy about the waiting list for next season. And you can find out more on everything Breezy has to offer over at breezybend.ca. Uh, great night to uh, maybe get together with the gang after work. Hey, happy hours in effect at Boston Pizza with great deals on appetizers and beers between 3 and 6 and 9 and 12 each and every night. And when you're there, check out that great new summer menu, including pizza flights are back and carnitas, tacos, and pizzas. And if you're staying home, you can always check out their game day deals and order online at bostonpizza.com. And hey, speaking of that game next week, I know whether you're in your tailgate zone beforehand or in the stadium, many folks trying their first Canadian club in ginger ale at Bomber Games. You don't have to wait for the Bomber Game. You can pick it up at beer stores throughout the city as well as Manitoba Liquor Marts. But if you haven't tried it and you're at the game, make sure to get that. And of course, you can get all the Beam Century products, including the Great Taste of Canadian Club, the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, at the game throughout IG Field on Friday night. All right. Woo. Busy, busy show today. Let's get Remus back in here because we got to do some picks for our big night at the races tonight. And uh, we also got to get to Coolbet line. Some very interesting numbers right now up on NHL free agency. Uh, but first, Remo, what a great show today. Wyshynski and Wheeler were awesome. Record McGrory was as advertised, just a phenomenal guest, and uh, no shortage of topics around the Jets to chop up with Mike McIntyre today. I wasn't sure if we were going to be able to do it. We squeezed... Uh, sque sorry, I hit the wrong button. Squeezed everyone in here. Uh, some great conversations with Greg leading up to free agency. I'm curious what's going to happen. And what's the other one? Um... Oh, yeah, Scott on the prospects, always great. Rutger, as you said, as advertised, chat was fired up for Rutger. And who was the Were last they one, ever? Mike? I mean, you got you to feel that, too. I mean, he, uh, I, I was really excited to have him on because I knew the reaction of Jet fans when he came, and when he would come on, if he was anything like he seemed to be mm -hmm. on Friday. It just seems to be a, a really genuine young man, uh, an authentic guy that, you know, brings energy to everything that he does. And as I mentioned with Mike, I mean, you know, there's drafting for talent and there's drafting for need. Um, every team needs a guy like that and uh, cannot wait to see his year at Michigan and, you know, hopefully in the not-too-distant future, uh, putting on a Jet jersey. And as I mentioned, I imagine there'll be a run of McGroarty's at Royal Sports whenever he finally uh, makes the show and uh, gets a number here in Winnipeg. Yeah, and we definitely ended the show with some juicy 
Jets rumors. Pierre-Luc yeah. Dubois training on Twitter now. Martin Leclerc out of Montreal. Who's he with? He's got a blue check Radio mark. Canada. He's got a blue check mark, so they don't give those to just anyone. Uh, at least they used to not give them to just anyone. So uh, we'll see. It's out there. It's trending. I mean, I don't know what to make of it. I was, you know, it's kind of funny. You hear Dubai and you think, okay, who are they getting back? Doc, Suzuki. That would make sense, you know, trade centers. But then he adds, yeah, it would be, wouldn't it be also awesome if they had Dubois, Suzuki, a Doc, and Evans as centers? So I, I have no idea. Would that be a deal that the Jets would jump into? Um, I guess we'll wait and see. That's all, that's all you can do. He's putting it out there. People are reacting. We're talking about it. No doubt about it. All right. Well, listen, um, before we get to our uh, Cinnaboya Downs picks, let's get to Cool Bet because, as we mentioned, we've got some pretty interesting lines on NHL free agency for tomorrow. And these questions are pretty simple. Uh, where will player X play game one of the NHL regular season? Uh, Evander Kane is still favored to go to Edmonton at plus 175. The Capitals plus 275. And the Calgary Flames are... 300. Now, <clears throat> we were doing this a little earlier, finishing up the end of the lock shop, so about two hours ago, and the Calgary Flames were plus 350 to get Johnny Gaudreau. I think that news of Frank that the Flames have upped their offer to 10 million a season for eight years has pushed that number down. Calgary's now at plus 200, and I think the conventional wisdom is that if they don't get Johnny Gaudreau, they move over to Evander Kane and try and steal the natural out of northern Alberta and throw him down in the southern part of the province. I'm really curious where number nine lands. Sorry, number 91, whatever number he is, that's Evander Kane. He'll always uh, be number nine here. Yeah, he'll always be number nine. So I'm curious where he would land. <clears throat> I think he's looking to cash in big, whoever offers him the most money. Although, how could you resist? Aside next to Connor McDavid. Uh, Edmonton is going to be interesting with the goalie. I guess seems like Jack Campbell. Um, Johnny Gaudreau, I'm not sure. Does he just take the money? If he took the money, I really think that would uh, mess up Calgary's structure. They still have to sign Manjapani and Kachuk. And I think it would cost them. It would probably cost them close to the $25 million in cap space they have. So I, that's going to be a tough one. Um, I don't, I've no idea. Space is great, but if you're losing top players like that, I mean, you've got so much to make up. Yeah. Well then how, yeah, well, I'm saying they don't have to, they have to, I think they have a lot of roster spots to fill, but they owe those guys a lot of money. So I don't know if they can, you know, fill the rest of their roster spots and pay all those guys. What about Malkin? Malkin still has Pittsburgh as the favorite at minus 120, but he will go to market and see what is out there. And I can't help but think the Washington Capitals yeah. at seven to one uh, would be an incredibly juicy story for him to sort of go on the opposite side of that great rivalry um, and play with this countryman, Alex Ovechkin, especially considering the question marks about whether Nick Backstrom's ever going to be able to return to that lineup. Yeah. He's got uh, the Russian connection with Alex Ovechkin. A divi- you know, what a right. would be a crazy twist in the Pens Caps rivalry if he did go there. I saw people floating that. I'm curious what the Rangers are going to do. They're out on cop. What kind of center are they looking for? They're rumored to be in on Dubois. Who is their guy? Kadri, uh, I think. You think Kad- man, the Kadri giving a guy that much money, oh, what, $8 million? His career best before the season was 54 points. Kind of had the Brady Anderson type season, Hus, where it's just like out of nowhere, 50 bombs. But it was, well, you know, Kadri's <laughs> 100, 100 points. Um, so I, that would be interesting. 
Uh, but Malkin, he wants to win. I think Wash. If you want to win, it seems like Washington would be would be the place to go. Like, do the Ducks sign anyone? Like, are they going to be are they going to be decent this year? They're going to sign Josh Manson. They're going to get him back after his uh, two month stop in uh, Colorado to win a Crick Cup, and imagine coming back. The, yeah, I'll say the thing about Malkin is like he's been really good when he's healthy. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy, and I know because I keep taking him in fantasy. You're like, how I'm getting Malkin so late? What a great pick! And he's never he plays only half the games. Um, Klingberg to yeah, who did uh, Greg mention? Klingberg to Seattle, Carolina also mentioned they got rid of Tony D'Angelo. Um, so as we go around some, I don't know, maybe there's some money to be made if you want to bet Malkin to Washington. No doubt about it. As I said, hit cool bet right now. Click on NHL. You'll see the NHL free agency odds. It's all there. If you've never played before, use the promo code WST for a 100% deposit on your first deposit up to yeah. 200 bucks. Um, uh, just a quick note, uh, of the CFL lines right now. Uh, I see the Bombers. When we did the lock shop this morning, the Bombers were minus four. They're now minus four and a half. The Alouettes were minus seven and a half. They're now minus eight. The Argos, who were three, are now plus two and a half. And the Hamilton Tiger Cats are now minus six and a half against the Ottawa Red Blacks. So uh, I'm not sure whether Dusty and I completely moved these lines, but every side that I'm on has changed in favor of that side in the last little bit. Check out today's lock shop if you haven't seen it already, wherever you get your podcasts or on myself or Dustin Nielsen's Twitter feeds with the uh, with the video as well. All right, Remo, big night tonight. We're going to Assiniboia Downs. The gang will all be here. Shout out to all of our winners. I know Gitch Lishka was one. Uh, T. Kona Polly, I think we're going to meet him tonight. And just remind you folks, if you do um, decide to make a trip out to the... Uh, to the track race number three is going to be the winnipeg sports talk race we'll be heading down we will be in the terrace dining room for the first hour or two uh but then we'll head down to the main area uh in the winner's circle after race three so if you do want to kick around and uh, hang out with the crew come and say hi that is the best time to do it and to grab us uh remo have you made your selections uh today for, uh, for the races yet I okay, you do bets. that because I've been quite busy, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna bet the later races, um, so we can do we can do straight cash, homie, on the first uh, on the first few races when we're uh, when we are there. Where you where you want to go? Nice looking transparent cash. We got <laughs> yeah, there. That's right. That's right. Uh, there it is. So here I'll give my I'll do my picks. Yeah, that's real. That's real. Canadian currency. Canadian so the, fir currency, folks. the first race tonight is 735. As you said, we'll be there, but the Winnipeg Sports are race. Race three. So I'm actually just going to bet on the later races. And if you want to know how we did yesterday, I think one, I only won because one of my horses got scratched, right? They scratched them all, so I got a refund. It was awesome. Hey, hey shout out. Who was it in the chat yesterday that, Rob that gave Noak. us that tip? He Rob knows Noakes. the stuff. You're the yeah. man. Uh, we, you know, I, I didn't go with the... Uh, the odds uh, didn't get my triactor box, but uh, I did win fifteen bucks on uh, that horse you mentioned. So uh, I appreciated that. Uh, T. Kona Polly's bringing a stack tonight. All right, <laughs> it's yeah, gonna it's be a lot of fun. Bring a responsible uh, stack. I'll say that. Um, okay, here we go. Race five. I'm going with Quinellas. A ten dollar Quinella. Uh, I got a three four. Ruby and the stars. As I bring it up here. Ruby and the Stars and fly through traffic. And then I got my other Quinella, $10 Quinella on race six. 
Oh, hey, Rob's in here. He says, my pleasure. Happy to help. I got to ask Rob for some tips tonight for our trip. No doubt. But race 6, 9-11, I got, is that what I got? Wits, Memories, and Silver Heights. I believe that's it. That is what I picked. Nicely done. Uh, look at this. This t seventh race tonight has right now 11 horses in it. This is the biggest yes. race I think we've seen all year long. Well, I, I see that Real Grace is the favorite. I'll throw that one on. Um, geez, I do like, oh, Plentiful's in that mix as well. We'll go Plentiful. We've seen some good uh, good turns from her. And do I go with the chalk and just take Surprisingly Perfect? Or uh, maybe do we go into the middle and take, uh, let's go with number four. It's that time. We're going to go three, four, five in this one. Uh, so we'll take that. And then let's go with number five, Real Grace to win. So we'll put four on that one. Real Grace, W, thank you very much. And then uh, race number six. Did you do race six, Reem? I did six and seven. Which one did you just do? Seven? I just did seven. Holy smokes. And this is another massive, massive mm -hmm. race. Uh, where 11 Silver Heights, as you mentioned, is the favorite. Well, I love the I love the Sawickies at Silver Heights. We're definitely going to have to put uh, them in one. We'll do the uh, the one dollar Triactor box with Silver Heights. Uh, we'll go with Memories as well, and let's go with uh, shall we say how about uh, ah, Halo's Phenomenon number six. So we'll put that in. And then I think I've got $4 left, which means I'll take Silver Heights to win in that race. $4, Silver Heights, let's go. All right, gang. So, hey, all winners, we'll see you there. 6.30, I think we'll be um, getting everybody in and uh, dining in on that world-class prime rib buffet. Probably fired a couple picks as well. Should be a hell of a lot of fun. Looking forward to seeing everyone. And as I mentioned, everybody welcome. Uh, we'll be down in the main area in the grandstand after race three for the Winnipeg Sports Talk race. And then, Remo, tomorrow, busy day. We'll do an extended show. We'll have a ton of guests coming on. And um, I'm not sure whether we'll put all of it in on the podcast, but for folks that watch us on YouTube, make sure to kick around and turn your notifications on as well as obviously be subscribed to the channel. It's completely free. Um, so you'll get a heads up when we go live tomorrow, which will be uh, as early as 11 o'clock, um, but probably in and around 11, I'd say. And um, we'll have some fun, bring in a whole whack load of guests and uh, just kind of react live to all the action coming around the National Hockey League in free agency with a focus, of course, on the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, I'll be watching, reacting live. It kicks off at 11, so I figure we'll start it up. Who we have confirmed? Edmonds, Dennis Bernstein coming on, Marat's coming on. I texted Tom Gazzola. He said he's good to join. So if maybe Mike wants to, someone else from. Uh, yeah, I'll lean on uh, I'll lean on Pat or Will, my old uh, pals from uh, the Sportsnet shows I was doing in Calgary. Very interested to see what happens with Johnny Gaudreau, whether he gets a well, deal tonight or whether he uh, does go elsewhere on a seven-year deal. I find the Canadian teams, Ottawa has been really interesting, especially if they get Claude Giroux, they get to Brinkett, they unload Matt Murray's contract. Toronto, Summer of Dorian. Yeah, Summer of Dorian. Toronto, everyone's trying to figure out this Matt Murray move, and I guess the explanation is they think that he's good. And um, he had a really good. That's the explanation. They think that he's good and he can be the guy. And some a lot of the stats would disagree. Although he did have a very hot stretch before getting injured toward the end of the season. 
Vancouver, no one knows what's going on there. But they're trying to finally figure out a direction now that they got a new GM. People Edmund- are probably saying the same thing about Winnipeg right now. Hey, <laughs> we got Winnipeg bias here. I think you're, you're, you might be right, okay? I think they think, Winnipeg thinks that, you know, they still have a shot at the playoffs when, you know, maybe uh, they, they should be doing what Chicago's doing. But I would say what Chicago's doing is terrible for the sport. So I don't think, I don't think they should consider that. Um, what's the other one? Edmonton? They need a goalie. Seems like who's the guy? Well, it, the, Jack, uh, Campbell. Jack Campbell likely going there. Although mm-hmm. I don't know how they've got a deal done before you're even allowed to talk so, to these guys. But that's and, another conversation for another and day. Mont- is Montreal going to do anything? Seems like they've kind of done all all their work at the draft. Are they going to trade for Dubois? Well, that would certainly uh, fire up the show tomorrow if something like that happened. Uh, we will see. Anyways, folks, tomorrow. We'll start early. Join us. Turn your notifications on so you know when we are live. And I will tell you, uh, anyways, count on around 11 a.m. for us getting going um, for NHL free agency. And we'll do probably a double show into around 3 p.m. tomorrow with a four-hour stream. And most of that, I'm sure, will hit on the podcast a little bit later on. Thanks to all the sponsors and thanks to another great group of folks here with us. If you're new, great to have you with us. Hit this red subscribe button. Join us daily, normally at 1 p.m., but a special early start tomorrow for NHL free agency. And uh, we'll see you at the downs tonight, folks. Congrats to the winners. Come hungry. And everybody else will be down on the grandstand race number three in in the winner's circle afterwards so if you're there make sure to come back and say hi thanks to all the sponsors that make the show happening speak of sponsors i gotta get out of here so i can get down and see andrew and the gang over at f apparel and uh yes i know there's a a lot of people wanting me to wear a suit probably not happening tomorrow but um once my new duds from f come in i'll surprise you one of these days and well i'll be shocked at how they can clean up even a a hoodie wearing uh, individual like myself okay the chat has been putting bets in like if we can get to 300 likes one show like while we're live we'll wear suits the next day uh i think we got two something right now i'm in for that one day just coming in under the just coming in under the wire although i would like the likes would like to be forced to uh to throw the blade on at some point soon who knows maybe it'll be tomorrow folks yeah ty skate blade no blade you know ty you wouldn't know that but anyways that's uh (laughs) (laughs) i think i've heard gary say that actually yeah that could be a gary lawlessism i still have a few in the uh, in the vocab anyway speaking of which i'm heading down to f apparel right now heading to assiniboia downs later on today folks uh thanks so much for joining us make sure to join us the next few days we'll have some bomber ticket giveaways and be all over nhl free agency and the latest with the winnipeg jets thanks to a great group of guests today and a great job by remus for helping set up Greg Wyshynski was phenomenal. Scott Wheeler, great stuff on the draft. Make sure you to go back and check it if you missed it. And, of course, the energy of the newest member or the one of the two first-round picks of the Jets, Rucker McGrory, who joined us live. And, of course, Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press. Folks, extended show tomorrow, WST, NHL Free Agency. Don't miss it. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day. Oh, my God. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.